0: face with hard luck face with hard luck card with luck card luck
1: good afternoon and welcome to the hard luck show i'm your certified qualified host on the west side, Steve Lucky Luciano, the greatest show on earth, that's right, where we deliver you a constant flow of heat direct from the street, coming to you live today from Santa Monica, California, PYFC, give a shout out, my co-host on my right today
0: is Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant barbarian, here to scare all the women and children.
1: Don't bother parting your hair, because nah. we're going to scalp it all together. <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, and uh, our sound man, Sean, sound man, Sean Old Blue Eyes, is not with us this afternoon. So, Chumahan's handling our engineering today, our sound.
0: Uh, yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, Keith uh, Wager wanted to call in and say something about the fact that Sean's not here.
1: Oh, what do oh, you say? Oh, no. This is fucking bad. Oh
2: he got that wrong
1: it's all good you know, you
0: know. what i asked lepke i said uh, where's sean at and he said sean was smoking crack but actually this is what he said
1: man smoking like a broke stove <laughs> <laughs> he's smoking like a broke stove we are at the pico youth and family center today in santa monica california we have a very dear friend of mine special special guest huge community leader out of the city of Santa Monica really is handling things all over the west side Chuman you've met I've talked highly about him since the day I've known you you have and uh, just somebody who's a teacher of mine uh, of, many of many people oh, a teacher so of many mentor of many
0: yes he's the um,
1: west side gandalf hey i tell you bro and he is he's taught me shown me um, supported me uh, in in being in, in, in how to be a community community you know mentor leader I had a mentorship program that I started at Pico Youth and Family Center about ten years ago and I did it on behalf of uh, Oscar coming up with the concept and then supporting and then putting into the play and um, just a wonderful guy let's 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 welcome this guest my good friend our good friend right Oscar De La Torre. Yeah. yeah, look at that. Mr. Delatore. good hey, afternoon. Yeah. Hey,
2: hey, hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here uh, on the show. Uh, heard heard a lot about it. Heard a lot of the segments with uh, Devil Los, Diablo, who's been oh, on the show. You know, yeah. Another good friend of mine. So, yeah. uh, so it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, anyway, man, how y'all feeling today? Good. You know We're what? Good. I'm going to tell good. you
0: something, Oscar. Uh, Diablo called in and he wanted to let you remind. He said, you know what? Tell Oscar Right Where I'm from Because I don't want him To ever forget Where I'm from Where I'm from And he called And he left this message That's what I'm saying I was in Dust Bowls of Chihuahua Where ignorance reigns supreme <laughs> <laughs> And I said to him I said listen Do you owe Oscar Any money He said this
2: Any <laughs> Anyway Oscar's here
1: um, Yep
0: Right uh, And dude Let me tell you something At the PY how, what, how, What's the acronym
1: PYFC
2: Pico Youth and Family, Family Center. Center
0: At the Pico Youth Family Center, right? Legendary,
2: get- legendary organization, man. This organization's been around now for I mean from its inception in 1998, you know, but in terms of the brick and mortar, you know, our first facility we opened in 2002. So that's a that's a good stretch. I mean, we we've been so around the, for a long like time.
0: 22 years, 21 years the
2: organization and then how long has the structure been here or the building? This one, that where we're at now, we moved. Um, we started off on, on 9th and Pico, right across from Claire. And then in 2008, we got this new facility. We invested about 120000 into this facility to get it you know, the way we have it now. You know well, I
0: mean? let me explain something. Uh, this place, like, so let me describe it to Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds. First of all... <clears throat> There's everything from like yoga mats. What are the yoga mats used for?
2: Every Tuesday we have yoga at 4:30 p.m. For who? For anybody. Adults. Anybody wants to
0: come into do yoga.
2: Free yoga. You come in, we have free yoga from 4:30 on. It's wonderful. How much do you charge for this? Zero. It's a completely free Get to the community. Get
0: the fuck out of here. Yeah, do you absolutely. know how much I these women pay on the <laughs> west side to go to yoga? It's yeah. like 100 bucks a session and you're doing it here free.
2: Free. Everything oh, I love every, that. everything that we do here is completely free for the community, so uh, that's where all of our work goes into, our, all of our fundraising, everything that we do is so that we can provide a free recording studio, free computer lab, free facility for all the wonderful um, services and programs that we and offer events. here. And yep. events. Yep. And events. In fact, we're having one tonight. We What's have, the event? We have a Loteria, which is like Mexican bingo. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. We have that going on. Um, and um, also just music and comedy, you know, so we're just... We're just uh, having a good good time, you know. Get, giving people an opportunity to make a contribution, you know. So it's a fundraiser, right? But with uh, but, but raising really funds for who? For the youth center to keep excellent. The, yeah, basically to pay the rent, man. Santa Monica rent right now is here in this space is seven thousand four hundred dollars a month.
0: Hold on a second, let me ask you a question because maybe I'm a little fucked up, but Santa Monica knows that you're putting all these free services out to the people. Mm-hmm. I gotta believe that the city is going to support that and help you out by giving you a break on the rent or something, right? Well,
2: see, that's a whole long story, but... um, Yeah, what is that story? Essentially, we were funded by the city when we first opened up. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we had city funds because we put public pressure on them. You know, there was a gang war that broke out back in 1998. You know, we had a... Over here? Here, right here in Santa Monica, man. I mean, we've we've had more than 60-plus homicides in an eight-block radius here in the city of Santa Monica. So in Santa Monica's Pico neighborhood, we've had more than 62 young people who have been uh, murdered on the streets, you know, and drive-by shootings, uh, you know, acts of violence. I mean, right. like, mm-hmm. most of it gang violence. A lot of it just, you know, wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, right. Because not everybody that's a, a gang member gets killed, you know. And gang, that's and, true. In right. gang-related, right. you know, activities, right? Right. So, uh, so that Gang War 98 is what sparked the movement. We let 1,000 people march through the neighborhood. We call it the Vigil for Peace.
0: And- hold on a second. So here's the thing I want to ask you, because I think this is lacking today. Lacking today, you started. There was a. How did the movement get started? The vigil for peace. How did you guys decide to organize that? How did that actually fucking happen?
2: So it's kind of crazy, man, in a way, because I had this dream. It was mostly like a nightmare, and and really, this is how the nightmare played out. I like, I like, uh, woke up one day, and I was driving around the city, and I was and I saw a white cross everywhere. Somebody had been murdered, you know, in the community, and it was just full of white crosses, you know, because when I drive around the neighborhood. You know, I remember those stories, you know, and so, and I remember those individuals, you know, people I grew up with, you know, that are no longer here. Yeah. But I remember seeing all these white crosses through the city of Los Angeles, just driving through and seeing all these white crosses. So when the gang war broke out in 98... And we had, you know, horrible acts of of murder. I mean, it was it was a lot of uh, stuff we never seen before. Before, you know, the drive by shootings were a Friday night, Saturday night. You know, right. this time it was twelve noon. You know, people being killed that weren't even from our city just because they looked a certain way. And mm-hmm. what did you
0: attribute yeah. the change? That slight change. Did you have any idea why that happened that way?
2: Uh, you know, it's a good. I think you know, um, it's a combination. It's like who's out of jail. You know, who mm. who are the writers? You know, who are the who are the guys that are you know organizing right i mean it, you know to 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 do that type of violence it takes a, a different more sophisticated uh gang member you know someone who's thinking differently and so uh, also the level of uh technology available to people you know so when you start getting assault you know rifles and yep. uh, the weapons you know are, are a lot more powerful people get a different type of courage i think to do certain things right and, um and so it was horrible, man, what happened I mean, because, you know, we lost uh, people that just weren't even gang involved. You know, they just uh, like in one case, you know, good, good friend, you know, that I grew up with, uh, Marty Campos. He was uh, his mom sent him to the liquor store, you know, to go buy some uh, bread for his son. He had a, a, a young, a young boy in, a, at home and uh, he went into the liquor store and, you know, some guys, you know, chased him into the liquor store, started shooting at him. And he dove over the uh, cash, red, you know, the, the, uh, the counter counter. And they shot him like three or four times in the head, man, you know. Marty like, Campos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, he died, man, right there. And um, so, you know, stuff like that. You know, there was two brothers, uh, Mark and Anthony Juarez, you know, down on uh, one of the, uh, uh, there was a clothing store that another friend of mine was about to open. And there was rumors, you know, that it was somehow connected to, to hood stuff. And it wasn't, you know, but his two cousins were coming to bring a cash register. You know, they were from San Luis Obispo. They weren't even from Los Angeles, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. San
0: Luis Obispo is like wine country. Yeah.
2: And so, and they were gunned down, you know, two brothers. Uh, One was like 25, the other one was like 21. And I mean, so just horrible acts of violence, you know, that happened and and, and really- Close together in time. Correct. And impacting people that weren't gang involved. You know, that that, that was something that was very, uh, very tragic, you know, not to say that, you know, who, who, who's involved deserves to die that way but just to say but
0: they know the deal they signed up a little bit and if that's part of their get down correct versus yeah. somebody's just
2: going to the store to get a loaf of bread correct someone who's innocent you know just you see but you live in the red zone when you live in the in everybody's the hood, red everybody's red I mean they, you know I mean I grew up traumatized myself I mean, what's I, the red zone the red zone is I would say for me 16th street to 23rd street in the city of santa monica and it's like the dangerous place to be correct between pico and the freeway you know 16th street to 23rd street has 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 experienced more homicides and more shootings than any other part of the city no shit and i would say 16th street probably i mean because i know there's just there's been like five homicides just on the block i grew up on you know so on 16th street when i was growing up it was probably the most violent block you know in the city of santa monica i mean (laughs) i almost got killed twice myself you know just what do you mean how did that almost happen Dudes rolled up, man. I was a teenager hanging out with guys on the block, and, you know. Teen- How old were you? Mm, I must have been 15, 16 years old, man. Okay, so
0: you're 15, 16. Mm-hmm. You're hanging out on the block. And then who rolls up?
2: Or this, what? This one truck rolls up, man. Just, we didn't see it coming, and they, uh, you know, you hear like, fuck, fuck Santa Monica. You know what I'm saying? And uh, everybody turned around. We thought it was, you know, one of, one of our friends, you know, messing with us, you know? Right. And when I turned around, man, this dude had a shotgun pointed at us, you know? And... um, Two, it was like one dude, an older guy, holding the gun, and then two younger guys, like look with a scared look on their face. You know, like 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 they were just going along for the ride to see how it's done, type shit. You know, what right? I'm saying? And I remember looking at the dude, like straight in his face, with a gun pointed straight at me, man, because I was like closer to him. A shotgun. A shotgun. And I looked at him. I said, "Hey, man, we don't bang, man. Like what the you know, like kind of like like what the fuck, man? It, you know, you got the wrong dudes. You know, what right?" I'm saying? And he was like, he was like, uh, "Fuck Santa Monica." He said it again, you know, to see if he got a reaction right and then, uh, but no one reacted everybody was just you know frozen you know right but i was talking to the dude i'm like hey man we we ain't tripping on that you know and, and he said um he was like uh well your homies at you know and i'm like I don't know, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't even get along with them dudes. You know, I just like, <laughs> that—that's that, just what came out of my mouth. You right, know? right. Just like to try to, you know, get this dude to keep it, keep, keep him thinking and talking. You know, right. right. And uh, he put the gun down and he was like, "All right, man. You tell him, you know, Big Bad Sotel gangs here. You know that we, can, you know, like, you know." And I'm like, "All right, cool, man. You know, I'll let them. <laughs> go, you know? Yeah, no problem. I'll let them know." <laughs> he brought out like a
0: like a like a notepad. He's like, "Exactly. What did you say, <laughs> Big Bad Sotel? How do you was that like a capital S?"
2: Yeah, man. That shit was scary, though. You know other time we were just hey, wait, wait, wait,
0: slow yeah. down for a second steve have you ever had a gun pointed at you besides that wasn't at the other end of a cop yes and 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 what, what kind of, what goes through your guys's brain when the gun's pointed at you like
1: it either is happening really really fast or it's happening in slow motion i mean that's been my experience and um and it usually you're caught very off guard when changes the dynamic of everything when there's a gun being pointed at you
0: um, it, what, about, what about you
1: uh, oh
2: sir? for me man it was like uh, that first time because I never had that happen you know right and so um, but I know you know I mean I mean, my next door neighbor was 14 years old I was 12 when he was shot on my block you know from the same hood you know that, that was doing you know that, doing it that night. Right. so there was a lot of violence between these two neighborhoods um so I kind of knew man this is a possibility you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like yeah. like I went to the hospital and, and seen you know my good friend you know operated on and the whole thing and then he survived but uh, you know the dude that, that was holding the gun he kind of had a little he lo- had a mature look on his face like he he looked he looked like he had a little bit of compassion cuz there's dudes in the hood man that you know they have yeah. no compassion like yeah. they, the eyes you know they yep. just they're lost you know but this dude you could tell he didn't want to do something wrong you know what I'm saying right and the other two kids that were like on his sides, like they were just scared. They were just, you know, young guys. Right. But he seemed to be responsible, man. He listened, you know, when, I, when, when he looked at us. Because we, we weren't dressed like, you know, the white T-shirts and, you know, the, 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 the look. Right. You were wearing the uniform. Nah, man. I mean, one thing, I you know, growing up, I remember uh, my sister, I was trying to dress like that one time. My sister pulled me aside and she said, how much does that shirt cost? I go, I don't know. She goes, that's like three bucks. How much are those dickies? I go, I don't know. She goes, those are the cheapest. I go, you know, she was basically breaking down my, my wardrobe, and she said, you look like a cheap ass. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like, if you had some jeans, you have to." you know. So she put that in my head, and right around the same time, man, there was a whole, there was a lot of hustling going on in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, so I was one of those kids, man, that wasn't, I didn't want to dress that way because I saw that the that you'd be a target for the police and you'd be a target for the enemies. Right. So growing up in the red zone, you had to know how to, you know assert, develop a different protocol man to be smart survive out there you know especially also you hustling out there yeah you know you don't want to have the police calling your attention
1: it's interesting that you say that because i've talked about this before oscar and that was and i would believe that it would be the early 2000s where we both know yeah it was about 2004 maybe that it was it was it was still cracking over here on the west side and in the early 2000s my son was in the 7th grade at John Adams Jr. and 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 Vincent's a tall kid so Where's he's a big John kid. Adams. At? <clears throat> it's in Santa Monica by uh 16th and Ocean, Ocean Park, Park. yeah between there. Pico and Ocean Park. Right. And uh he, he I went to pick him up from school one day After school. And I see him from the back as I pull up. And he's got a bald head, which he always shaved his head, right? He's got on a white t-shirt, like a pro club. And he's got some dickies on. And from the back, this kid looked like an active youngster. And I remember walking up to that day and I was like, hey, man, you're not going to dress like this because... The dudes that are going to gun you down, if they try to, they're not going to ask you where you're from. They're not going to, you're not going to get a chance to explain right. that you're not part of that. You fit the bill. Right. And I remember that day taking him and he got scared when I told him that. And it, from that day forward, he got into the skinny jeans and the, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we got him, I couldn't have my son being mistaken for a gang member. And that's exactly what he looked like from the back. And he, You know he what's crazy? Me out.
0: <clears throat> what's crazy is is that, you know, that mimicking that works if you're not in the area. If you're outside the area, because you got like uh, American culture is just like laden with a lot of gang imagery, gang styles, and all sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It works. It's okay if you're white and you're in Ohio, and you want to walk around like that because no one's gonna mistake. You're not in an area, but if you're over here and you just like the style, you still can't wear it because you might either from a hood uh neighborhood perspective or even from law enforcement perspective, you're going to be wrongly identified. Absolutely.
2: Well, it's a, it's a, that same when they say uh wrong place, wrong time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're in the neighborhood, man, it's like you're at the wrong place all the time. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So, right. you know, you have to be very aware of like how you're dressing and so forth and You know, there was a shift. I remember growing up as a kid, like, gang members would hit you up. You know what I'm saying? Like, the whole where you from (laughs) thing. And, you know, based on your response, that's what went down, you know? But... Cause they didn't want to deal with you know there was rules you know what i'm saying like yeah like right. i still remember right. there being right. rules you know if you were with your girl or your mom you know they'd give you a pass you know what i'm saying there were right. there was rules they were more they were more organized but at some at some point in, in in history i guess when they started really arresting a lot of people when they took away the leadership like the older homeboys you know what i'm saying yeah they had a little bit more control in the hood when you had I guess it just it lot those rules were just broken and it was lost. So they you started know, shooting anybody, you know, it was it was it was like shoot now and and ask nah, later. later. You, you know? know
0: what? I'm going to say something to you on that point because <clears throat> I'm sure that's accurate, but I'm starting to feel like that loss of the rules actually transcends just that culture. Like if you look at politics today, right? You look at the yeah. president what he gets away with. Yeah. Right. You look at Hollywood a little bit and the kind of movies they're making, all that stuff. All of the and in, in, even internationally between countries, all of the marketing, like what's a commercial and what's not a commercial, what's advertising and what's not advertising. It seems like all of the old designations where there was a clear line, like you were saying, you're going to ask or you're not going to ask or you're going to do this. And that means you're you're part of this or it seems like all of that shit has slowly eroded.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Values change, you know, depending on who's who who are the leaders, you know, who are the people that uh, are the decision makers, you know, involved and so uh, yeah, but you know, growing up was, was tough like that, man. The neighborhood was a very violent place. There was a lot of a lot of drive bys and gang violence and you know, experiencing all that was very traumatic, you know, a lot of trauma, you know, to the point where I graduated from Santa Monica High, you know, and um I go up to Chico State. I was I applied to six universities. I only got accepted to one. Yeah, but that was my blessing, man, to get out. You know, right? It was because it was 1990, and and around that time it was. Uh, it was but still Oscar, you
1: started you started kind of changing because you graduated. You were a student body president, correct? Yeah, and at some because, and I can tell my guests uh, that Oscar was. In the hood, grew up with everybody in the hood, and at a certain point in time, you made a decision to go in one direction. Correct. Yeah. What? When was that? What? When did you start to like turn your focuses away from the detrimental side of life? Yeah. I think
2: part of it, uh, it was around between fifteen and sixteen years old, and Mm -hmm. there was a combination of factors. You know, it was uh, I I was playing football. You know, so now I felt like I was belong. You know, I had something to belong to. You know, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. was the football team. And then my family, you know, there's eight of us, so I was number seven. So I had a lot of older brothers and sisters who would pull me to, you know, literally pull me off the streets, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So if my mm-hmm. brother saw me, hey, what you know, he knew I was up to no good. Hey, get in the car, man, you know what I'm saying? Right. And he would take me out get, you know, get something to eat or whatever and, and, mm. and, and you know, talk to me, you know, because my right. parents... My parents, you know, they really didn't know what was going on. You know what I'm saying? like They, they were out of
1: touch with it. They're
2: out of touch. They're, they're hardworking people. What were so.
0: they doing? What did they do for their jobs?
2: My dad, uh, um, he was a welder. So uh, he worked in a company right here in Santa Monica welding uh, those uh, for boxes, those metal boxes for the fire extinguishers. That's yeah. what he would do. And then my mom worked in a, on 16th and um, Olympic right by the school district. Um, on an assembly line, like doing some computer parts. Mm-hmm. Got so, it. so there was, back in the days, there was still light manufacturing going on in the city of Santa Monica. Gotcha. There was still, there was still wow. jobs for working class people here in mm-hmm. the city. Wow. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. city rezoned everything, right. To change it to high tech sector. So then all those, uh, and then also NAFTA and, you know, some of these, you know, trade agreements between Everyone countries. Everyone got outsourced. They outsourced all these, uh, you know, uh, Lower-skilled jobs, you know, to uh, to Mexico, you know, right. crossed mm-hmm. it south mm-hmm. of the border to, right. for cheaper labor, you know. So all of our people lost jobs, right. and all the jobs that came in, our people can't attain, you know. So you end up pushing people out of Santa Monica as part of the whole gentrification process, you know. Right. But the lack of employment, you know, was a big thing. How people lost jobs, how working-class people in Santa Monica lost jobs, and it first and it started with the rezoning, how the city zones certain uh, p- parts of the city.
0: Who decides? Let's get down to it because, you know, we talk a lot about zoning and all this other bullshit. Most people don't really understand. Who the fuck decides
2: the zones in a city? Well, you know, most people would say the city council right but really who decides the zoning yeah. is the people with the money the developers that are bringing in you know the projects so they go to the city council members and the city managers they politic right they let them know hey look they make campaign contributions you know the money gets you know divided you know what I'm saying right and then and then all of a sudden you know you start seeing zoning laws being changed okay so hold on let's 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 and it goes through the planning department so there's a there's a planning commission right yeah and then there's planning staff and then so they're the ones that work up the zoning changes it floats up to the planning commission they vote on it and then from there it goes to the city council for approval
0: listen let me ask you a question because maybe i'm a little fucked up in the head
1: i love this i love hearing oscar break this down
0: yeah this is what we need to actually understand Mm -hmm. all right so you've got this city government and by the way a lot of people try to make it seem like santa monica is the uh is sort of the socialist part of L.A., right? Have you ever heard that Oscar? It, it, repu-
2: it's a it's a facade. It's a liberal facade, man. These people are just as racist as the southern, you know, hicks out there in Mississippi.
0: Right. Some people refer to it as the United Soviet States of Santa Monica or whatever because there's rank control.
2: The People's Republic of Santa Monica. Yeah, right? You've
0: heard it, yeah. that bullshit, right? Yeah. Okay. So what happens is, so, like, let's say some. look, I'm saying it. You're not saying it, all right? For whatever political whatever, whatever. I'm saying it just and I'm theorizing. I don't really know, but just as a hypothetical, okay. let's say Google, you know, uh, or um, uh, Facebook or uh, any one of these Alphabet, I guess that's what Google really is called now is Alphabet. That's their parent (laughs) company. They want to come down to Santa Monica or Venice, right? And they've got a particular type of industry and they take a look at the zoning laws that are already in place, right? And what zoning is, is it's the city saying for the health or the safety or the policing of the city, we want to make sure that certain activities are only in certain areas of our city, right? People don't, we're not going to force people to live next to the plutonium factory. We don't want the, the porn shops to be right next to the school. Right. And the Supreme Court and everybody said, yeah, that's cool. Cities can plan that. But what you're saying is behind the scenes, though, somebody like a big company, like let's just say we don't really know. But let's just say somebody like a Google or something like that comes down. Their pockets are already fat. They got a lot of money and they've got the kind of people that can hire attorneys and lobbyists to find out. Okay, so who sits on city council? Right. What are their names? But but let's set up an introductory lunch at Mastro's and I'm going to pay for everything. And we're just going to have a conversation. And that's how that ball starts getting rolling to where they have the kind of capital. These bigger companies have the capital to come in and say, we need the zoning laws changed to favor us. We need cheap real estate. So we got to we got to rezone something that pushes out lower skilled workers. Right. Which is really the backbone of any country. Right. And that way we can come in, disenfranchise everybody. And then by then rent's going to be so high that none of these low skilled workers are going to be able to even afford to do anything. Is that about the way it works?
2: That's pretty much how it works, man. I mean, that's what's happened. That's Hmm. the story here. You know, people, you know, light manufacturing was zoned out of the city. They brought in the high tech sector. These workers that are coming in, they get paid well so they, they have they can afford to pay higher rents. So they're shopping around. They're they're exacerbating, you know, sort of the the market in terms of rents. You know, so every, all the rents go up. You know, now it, people get priced out. You know, and so the west side becomes, you know, more affluent, more white, less people of color, less working class people of all races, right? And right. You push people out, and that's how gentrification goes down, man. That's that's why what's so sad about it is that all these improvements, you know, in terms of the infrastructure, libraries, schools. we didn't see those improvements when it was mostly people of color. Like the Mm. city government neglected, the Pico neighborhood neglected these parts of the city until the demographics start changing. Then all of a sudden you start seeing this investment. Wait a second. Are you trying to tell me? That's just.
0: Are you trying to tell me that when it was a bunch of poor brown people that were living in this area. And black. And black. black, That the city wasn't pumping money to get like, iBooks and iPads into the library so they could use them?
2: Not only that, we were the only neighborhood. I mean, up until we started advocating for a public library, we were the only neighborhood in the city of Santa Monica with no public library, even though the majority of the youth, 68% in 2000, lived in two zip codes. Nine hundred four hundred four and nine hundred four hundred five. But we were the only uh, only neighborhood, the Pico neighborhood, without a public library until we advocated for it, and that library just came online maybe about like five six years ago. The, Man. Pico, the Pico Branch Library at Virginia
1: Park. You so, you said yeah. it in a way the other day that you you made it really clear. You said it in a sentence, and it was like, oh, when we needed the money in this city, yeah. and everybody's going through it. It wasn't showing up. Now it shows up as they're pushing everybody that had to make it through this city and help build this city to be what it is. As they're being pushed out, all the services and yeah. all the money's getting pumped in. Well, so so, so this, who really gets, who really is availed all this great stuff that's happening? Certainly not the people that were yeah. born and raised and have spent their lives in this city.
2: And, that, and that's really the saddest part, right? The most hurtful part of gentrification yes. is just not people being displaced. Mm-hmm. It's this dynamic of you have a white led city government that that only invests money when the numbers, you know, tip over <sighs> make make sense when it when when you have more white people. You know, so it's like it, it's really sad to see that, you know, that are that are that that. Yes, that's why I say, you know, when you have the racism sort of here in the city of Santa Monica as strong as, you know, the racism in Mississippi, it's real because, you know. One thing, that, one thing that's been constant, the, the city used to be controlled by conservative forces, the business elite. In most cities, that's who, run, who calls the shots. The, the, the Chamber of Commerce, you know, the business elite of any city is usually who runs the city. Right. In Santa Monica, in the uh, early 80s, that shifted. There was a change. There was a group called Santa Monicans for Renters' Rights. In fact, they had a, a meeting this morning and, um, here in Santa Monica. And they've been in power for the past 30-plus years. And they came up with a great concept, rent control. You know, I, I think it's a great concept. I support rent control. Even though I'm a property owner, I support rent control because I love the people more than I do the profits. Right. And so it's important, you know, hmm. to, to protect uh, people and working class people and long-term residents. And rent control has done a, g- a good job of that. That's why Santa Monica has this liberal facade because of the old, you know, those th- those people that really cared about rent control and really were caring about those issues of working class families, um, that, was, that was a good thing. Over the years and over time, the organization was taken over, you know, and now you have people that are pro development, right. That are now, you know, involved. And you know, it's hard. It, it's like, there's a lot of money that needs to be made to keep the pensions going. You know, there's, yeah, but you know a, what, there's a lot, a lot that the, the development is the way that the city keeps on bringing in money. And you know
0: so what? I'm going to say something it's like an about addiction, that. You know? yeah, I'm going to say something about that. And that, cause it's not just Santa Monica, right? That's the American model. If you really want to get down to that's it. true. Yeah. You got a city, they gotta bring in development and then the development comes in and through that they think they're gonna get some funding and then but the problem with that is is that as you accurately point out, it the services that come along with a government only start to spring up once the business elites show up and start spending some money. And part of the problem is is in the last thirty years there has been this ethic, this value that's been promoted, it seems like in every corner, which is like, you know what? Paying government taxes is a bad thing. Paying your taxes is a bad thing. And everybody should be encouraged to pay as minimal tax as possible. And not only that, but with business, when we need to trust them, we need to have them pay even less tax. And then what we need to do is uh, try to promote business growth. And in that regard, we're going to get funded. And you know what? They've had 40 years to do that. 50 years to do that, that model, that Reagan bullshit model. And you know what? That's the same thing that even, and listen, even Obama was kind of pushing that and Trump's pushing it. And, And that American system actually starves government services so that they are hungry. By the time business development shows up. If you had a fully funded Santa Monica that was like, you know what? We already have the great libraries. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. don't need all this development. They would have leverage to even get better things out of business developers. They could be like, you know what? We don't need you here.
2: Yeah. No, no. That's that's true. I mean, you know, the city right now has a budget of like a billion plus dollars every two years. I mean, for a population of 90,000 people, you know? And so, uh, you start seeing where the money goes. I mean, the chief of police in Santa Monica makes more than the chief of police in Los Angeles. That makes no sense.
0: Get <laughs> out of here.
2: <laughs> the city manager makes four hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars. This guy makes a, almost half a million dollars a year. That's just his salary, not including you know housing allowance, car allowance, phone allowance. You know everything else to get pensions. You know there's a lot of other hidden money that you don't get to see. Uh, that's part of their salary, part part of their you know their, their, their deal, con- their contract, part mm-hmm. of their deal. So you know. It's compensation like, pass- yeah, p- man, package yeah man it was and the way that works is that you have these you know you have the city council members that run for office, yeah, they get the money, they get the endorsements, right, and then they have to return that favor, right. So once they get into power, the budgets, you know, for the police departments keep on going up, even though crime is going down or what, what have you. You know, there's. Uh, listen, it's a much smaller place to police Santa Monica than Los Angeles. Eight square miles. It's only eight square miles
0: here. versus Los Angeles, which is like thirteen yeah. or whatever. I don't know, twenty some ninety
2: thousand people versus like eight million
0: people. Right, and he's <laughs> making more money than the chief of police in L.A. That's crazy to me.
2: It is, but that's just what happens, you know, uh, when you create a culture, you know, where it's all about making money and holding on to power. You know what I'm saying? And that's what this city has turned into. So, you know, um, the gentrification has in the, in the Pico neighborhood is, is real. You know, people are being pushed out. You know, we're right here sitting in one of the last, and, and really kind of like the last people of color run nonprofits. You know, the Pico Youth and Family Center has, uh, you know, Weathered a lot of uh, challenges from the city of Santa Monica. In fact, the city cut all of our funding. We used to, we used, to, we, we started receiving three hundred and fifty thousand dollars when we first started in yeah. like nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. And then in uh, twenty fifteen, we were receiving one hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Mind you, this isn't been even steadily being cut. It was cut. It started being cut, and all around politics. I mean, I had um, what were the politics? Essentially, when we first opened. We formed a group called Mothers for Justice. So we opened, let's say, in January. By March, we organized a protest at the school board meeting uh, around suspensions, you know, and expulsions and police on campus. So, the What idea, was the reason for that? It was because you had a disproportionate number of black and Latino youth that were being suspended, expelled. And, um, and, and basically, we had some young people, 12-year-olds, you know, that were arrested on campus for a fistfight, you know?
0: And you know what? Before you go further, though, all right, let's just... Let's say, because I can hear a lot of my conservative friends, they might say, like, "Well, yeah, that's because the Latin and the and the black kids were actually committing most of the problem." What what What's your response to that?
2: No, that's not true. I mean, there's institutionalized racism, and we we found out that if you're a black student at Lincoln Middle School, you were four times more likely to be suspended than if you were a white student. You know, Um, essentially, what happens is is that there's implicit bias. You know, there's teachers, uh, administrators. They tend to look at the behavior of black boys or Latino boys, uh, and they and they wrap all that behavior around violence or the potential for violence. You right. know, they they fear these young people through that mm-hmm. lens. Yes, through mm-hmm. that lens. And then so anything that they do, right, is considered ultra bad, sort of extra bad. And yeah. then so what they do is they suspend, you know. And and so you know, think about it. Here they are in school, and then we're going to go ahead and, and uh, take them away from education as a form of punishment, right? So t- take them three days out of school, five days out of school. Right. These kids, we've all seen through the statistics and all the research, they fall behind in school, they, they drop out of high school, right? They, they, and then there's a, what they call a school-to-prison pipeline. So meaning the kids that are suspended have a higher probability of being arrested and going to jail.
0: Hold on. Let's check your data because I have a friend of mine who actually did time uh, in, in, in Pelican Bay and some crazy places like that. Yeah, yeah. and he's sitting right here. His yeah. is Steve Lekondich. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Steve, were you ever suspended in high school or, mm. or middle school?
1: I was suspended uh, <laughs> 20, 30 times, I think, really, honestly.
0: I know. Yeah. All right, hold on. All right, so then prison... A school to prison pipeline. So they get suspended. It raises the chances of being incarcerated. We've yeah. got an example of a gentleman right here who that did happen to. Yep. What about these adult continuation high schools? Don't they, aren't they there to kind of make it easier for
2: guys not to get in trouble? Yeah, you know, that, do, that does uh, provide a, a sort of second chance you know, for some people. But you know, we end up putting all the kids that have drug problems mm-hmm. or, or gang involved. We concentrate yep. them all. We quarantine them, you know? Yeah. Keep, keep yes. them away from everybody else. Yes. And then what happens is they end up, you know, sort of congregating and getting deeper into the shit. Hold on. Let's, you know let's I'm check
0: this out. <laughs> Steve, when you were taken out of the mainstream school and put into like a quarantine school with a bunch of other kids who've gone through similar things, did your drug and crime use? It's
1: like putting a kid in juvenile hall. Then there's just less solutions. You're seeing less of anything else. You're not getting any diversity in people or attitude or and it, the spiral goes down, I think, even deeper.
0: Right, okay, so that part checks out. All right, Oscar, what's And there's that?
1: not any, and, and the other thing is, they've made the bar so low that there's almost nothing for the kids to strive for. Yeah. They just, you can leave at 12 o'clock or whatever. And that be. was true in your experience? Absolutely.
2: There was kids that I, I remember one time I saw one of the homeboys that I grew up with in the neighborhood, and he had a portfolio with a bunch of gang graffiti, really well done, you know, like block letters and, you know, just right. some badass graffiti, you know? I was like, wow, that shit is cool, but I saw A+, A+. B minus on the top of every little piece of paper. And I said, w- 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 what, the, wh- where are you getting grades from on this shit? He goes, oh, man, I'm getting this from my art teacher. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> at Olympic high school. You know? right? And I was like, a part of me for like, that's kind of cool. You know, mm-hmm. that 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 she's acknowledging his artistic She's accepting kind of, that. But mm-hmm. she's also, you know, allowing him to promote his gang affiliation. And his, his identity as a gang member is being solidified within the public education system. You know what I'm saying? So it was it was kind of like a mixed bag. But hold by, on,
0: so what's the next stop? So they get quarantined. What's the next stop on the school to prison uh, tour?
2: Oh, so after that, I mean if if you if you you know if you succeed, you get a diploma now you can't spell diploma, you know, you right. got, graduate and can't spell diploma, you right. know what I'm saying. So they have a fake diploma. Uh, they try to you know apply for jobs and so forth, and they struggle there and it's frustrating there and then time know, out.
0: Was there a difficulty once you left a continuation school? Was it difficult or like, was it a, you had to use other means to obtain employment to like try to make ends meet, Steve?
1: Agreements. I'm in agreement with Oscar.
0: Was that like where you got into like working the doors at clubs and trying to like w- w- with all that stuff or?
1: No, I got in a bunch of trouble. <laughs> all right. In Trouble.
0: All right. Okay. So that's stop three, stop four.
2: Yeah. It's just, you know, now it's juvenile hall, man. You know, kids. did you ever go to juvie? Steve? Yeah. All right, juvenile okay. hall and then and then, you know, county jail and prison. I mean, shit it's Hold man. on,
0: hold on. Steve County Jail. Yeah, and then prison. Okay, check check. So you got it right here, dude. You're not talking out of your ass. You're not some progressive liberal (laughs) who, you know, flew in with, you know, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, who I I do like Bernie Sanders, but whatever. You're not making this shit up. This we got people all around us right here that are actually living this reality. Oscar's
1: growing up with him, right? He's watched it over the
2: the school. The school of prison pipeline is a real, real thing. Um, You know, it's been well documented now. And, uh, you know, that's why we have this whole mass incarceration. I mean, in the state of California, where we've had... You know, so many people, uh, a lot of men of color, but low income men of all backgrounds, sure. you know, and poor se- whites a- and 73 percent of them don't have a high school de- education, like right. didn't graduate, don't have a diploma. 73%, Listen, you know,
0: you're making so much sense, Oscar. But here's the problem. How else are we going to get slave labor to farm the organic tilapia that they're going to sell at Whole Foods?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly what's going on. I mean, we know we know that that slavery is still legal in the Boy. country as long as it's used as a form of punishment. Right. right? I mean, that's still, that's still the, a problem. And, that, and that's why, you know, think about it. They had to find a way. I mean, look, after they abolished slavery, right, the Emancipation Proclamation, then you had a whole series of laws, right, Jim Crow. Jim Crow, right? Right. And then, and then and through the Civil Rights Movement after that, they had to come up with another strategy right. to keep, you know, people of color in their place you know what i'm saying and they figured it out and it was through mass incarceration put them in jail right and the 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 crack epidemic all that was part of that strategy as well
0: 100 percent, which is why and it's this is the part that blows my mind is that the fact that the cia assisted in getting crack into the inner city of los angeles is well known on both sides conservatives Mm -hmm. progressives we all know it and like nobody even gives a shit
2: yeah, it's really sad because that's true. I mean, you know that like, the that the government pumped in a lot of uh, a a lot of the drugs, you know, and um, it destroyed a lot of families. It put people in jail. It think did, about it, how it, fucked it, up it this is. Ser- served the purpose. It, it was it was effective in the way that they planned it, right?
0: Realithi- dude. Think about how yeah. fucked up this is. So they bring in, they get drugs from. Let's say Central America or something. South America. South America, right?
2: Central America through Mexico.
0: Right. They br- the CIA helps bring it in. They rock it up. They sell it to the Latino community here in the United States, along with African Americans, right? Destroying those communities, right? <clears throat> There's gang violence around it, but mainly the gang violence is directed to who gets to sell. It's not really associated with, it's not, they wanted to make an idea of like the crazy crack addled person who's running around jacking cars, but it wasn't crackheads jacking cars. It was like, it really was gangs fighting for territory to sell. And then uh, they take that money that they've sold the crack for. And the CIA uses that money to arm rebels to stop, uh, uh, regimes in Central America—the same place it came from—from uh, from doing land reform so that poor people could own property and live, and instead help big companies like United Fruit and all these other people. Yeah. It's like they fucked—they fucked the Latin culture in both sides.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. It's right. It's it, it's it's again. It's sort Crazy. of going back to what we were talking about, you know, with gentrification. It's about greed. It's about money and power, and how, right. and how that works, in, you know, in these countries, right and uh and in every country that's 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 how it works you know money and power and greed and you know that's who influences the government that's why when we say democracy really what we're saying is is who has the ability you know to control the government right and you can't really have democracy when it's about you know corporations being allowed you know to set up these packs you know these who can compete with that yeah you can't compete with that who who you know and 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 so
0: Papa John's, let's just say, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we've been to Enzo's, we've eaten real pizza, and then mm-hmm. there's this other shit that you pull off the bottom of your jockey shorts when you were walking in the sun all day, and mm-hmm. it's called Papa John's pizza.
1: <laughs> okay, Papa John's, right?
0: I mean, they sell so much pizza, and then their CEO gets to decide, and he gets it, most of the people that can afford Papa John's, right? The money he spends in his packs that he delivers that money to, that he supports, I think he supported Trump, all of that doesn't go to benefit
1: any of the people that actually buy his pizza. Stop buying Papa John's pizza, you guys. It's the craziest. Buy thing. Buy pizza from your local neighborhood pizza mart. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yes.
2: But so yeah, wait, but so that, those are like these big, sort of the macro level stuff. But it's in, on the micro level, on the uh, you know the the neighborhood, the city. Right. It's very similar. The 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 motives, you know, the principles behind why these decisions get made are pretty much the same. You know?
0: Let's 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 really let's drill down. Let's drill down. Let's stop. Let's stop playing games. Yeah. Okay. No more, uh, you know, fucking tiddly winks with our fucking Mm -hmm. butt cheeks. Let's get this thing for real. You are on the school board now, correct?
2: Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. School board for what district? Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District.
0: Okay. I I eventually want to ask you what the fuck, why is Malibu tagged at the end of that? But let's not get into that. Okay. You're on the school board and you're up for re-election, correct?
2: Not now. Not and, now. And, and 2022.
0: In twenty twenty two. In twenty twenty two. So you're already in.
2: Yeah, but I, so I'm, you can
0: upset people right now and then calm it down later. To-
2: exactly. <laughs> and this is this is my last term on the school board. I ain't running for re-election, but I'll be running for uh, election to the city council. Oh, you want to get on the council? Now it's time for getting on the city Dude, council. Dude, you just talk mad shit. Are they going to let you in on the council? Oh, uh, Of course not. You know, they don't want the powers that be, the establishment. You know, they do not want me on the city council. That, that's why we had to sue the city, and we won. We won a lawsuit for district elections recently that the city is appealing right now.
0: Wait a so, second. What does that mean that you sued them for district elect? What actually was the basis of the lawsuit?
2: So the uh, there's two ways to do elections, you know, in cities. One is what they call an at-large election system, which is what we have right now. Which What's, is... What? Which is you can live wherever you want, you know, in the city run for office. There's essentially no no dividing lines, no no districts. Right. Right. Uh, like in Inglewood, for example, they have districts, Los everyone Angeles. Votes. Everyone else has districts. Yeah. So the the concept of the district election system, which is different than the at large election system, is that you divide up the city sort of in equal parts. So like there's proportional representation. Let's say in this case there would be seven Equal, you know, districts and every neighborhood gets to elect a representative to the city okay. council.
0: So the at large is kind of cool in the sense that you don't have all these fucked up districts and then everyone can vote. But the problem with that is certain areas within the city might have a larger voice and who gets to be on city council. That's
2: exactly what's happened in the city of Santa Monica. The north side, the wealthier part of the city has always had a monopoly of power in the city council or the school board or the college board so with district elections every neighborhood gets a representative and we feel and we feel that's more inclusive that's more fair
0: right okay and so the lawsuit is saying hey we need to have districts so that these some of these areas that don't have a lot of wealth or money or power but are equally affected by the rules
2: they need representation exactly in fact the truth is the Pico neighborhood, which, we're, you know, where the gang and all the problem is, right, yeah. in terms of poverty concentrated, the, it was a segregated part of the city. We have never had a person of color, even though we've had more than five people attempt to run for a city council. Right. We've never had one person of color living in the Pico neighborhood elected a city hall. Not one. Right, We've only had two, uh, one, one black o- and one Latino in the history of the city of Santa Monica. Which wow. is how long? How long is that? More than 100 plus years. Okay, you know and saying? so
0: if I understand correctly, because I'm an attorney, so like I remember some of this shit from law school, but the idea is, is that generally everything's okay unless... The results are establishing that there's some kind of disparity in race. You can have an at-large, or you can do a district, but if if the statistics show, like you said, that over a hundred years only two people of color or no one from this area has ever gotten on the council, then that's suspect, and that means that something's got to change.
2: Correct. The other thing there's a it's called the California Voting Rights Act. So it, okay. it comes from the Voting Rights Act of 1965 that Martin Luther King, you know, right, gave his life for. Right. You know? And so from that Voting Rights Act law of 1965, now we have the California Voting Rights Act, which says that if you can prove that there's racially polarized voting in your city, yeah. right, and you have an at-large election system, yeah, then you are in violation of the law. Right. And so what we did is we used that law. We challenged the city's you know, at-large election system through a six-week trial. Yeah. Superior, Los Angeles Superior Court, Yvette Palazuelos, they gave us a Mexican-American judge, which was great. Right and she ended up ruling in our favor. Right. So we we found that the city of Santa Monica through a 6-week trial has a a ha, has has deliberately marginalized people of color, has historically discriminated against people of color, has made it uh, has rigged the system so that people of color do not get access to the power, you know, the, the decision-making power right of the city council. Right. And so we proved that um we won. And then this good old liberal city council that's supposed to be good for people of color is challenging the Voting Rights Act, right, and is spending millions of dollars. We heard so far that they've already spent about $20 million to oppose us. And here's the thing. Once all said and done, when we win, they're going to have to pay all of our attorneys. And our attorneys right now have a bill about $20 million, too. Right. So in total, it's going to be the most expensive voting rights case in the history of the United States. Right. Right. But let's let's not kid ourselves. What's at stake is maybe the most valuable real estate in the country. Correct. And that's why- why you think they're trying to fight? Why, why Why don't you think they say, wait a minute, you know, if they only want one seat, think about it. Out of seven seats, we're only fighting for one. So that means that if they do the math, as long as they control four votes, they still have a majority on the city council. Why don't they? Why? They don't want me on the city council. Bro.
0: What, I would think that they would come down and embrace you and say, our brown brother, why don't you come on? Maybe you can help us. Uh, equalize things a little bit why, who's why don't they have Have they ever said shit to you like have yeah
2: they... yeah they told me you know when, when uh, they threatened to cut the funding for the youth center they said don't bite the hand that feeds you you know get
0: the fuck they out said, of there they said look
2: here. you know basically you know essentially they were saying you know we, we, we'll give you the money you know but just you know just stop talking. Stop, stop, stop talking. making noise. Yeah. Stop talking about the stuff you talk about: institutionalized racism, environmental dumping, social neglect. You know, uh, marginalization. You know, shut up. That. Basically, basically shut up. You know, here's the hush money, and I didn't take that. You know, how
0: come we can't impeach these guys? Isn't that? I mean, dude, honestly, listen. When city council says to uh, uh, Oscar, and he, they're like. You have a uh, a youth center, don't you? Yes. And that, what's the budget this year? How much do you need this year? Oh, we we need three hundred four hundred thousand dollars for the year. It's gonna go in. Here. We've been awfully good to you, haven't we? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, it'd be a shame if you lost that funding, right? It you absolutely wouldn't just be a shame for me. It'd be a shame for a lot of kids. Exactly. There's a lot of people who depend on that youth center. So. But, you know, the other thing that's bothering us is that you're talking too much. You're saying a lot of criticizing things. They don't come right out, maybe, necessarily. And that's say the it,
1: mob.
2: They're, they did it all mobbed up, bro.
1: No, no, that's no listen. The mob. That's what?
2: that Ukraine Trump shit. No, but what you're saying is exactly the way it went down. So I walk into Rod Good's office, city manager, city manager. What's his name? City manager Rod Good. What? <laughs> G-O-U-L-D, some weird ass name. But in any case, Rod Gould. he's a former city manager out of Poway, California. I walk into his Poway, office. Poway, which is by San Diego. Correct. Okay. Conservative. I, right. walk, I walk into his office. The first words out of his mouth. He has, you know, have a seat. First words out of his mouth. So, Oscar, how long would it take you to resign? That was his first words. I go, oh, well. I don't know, maybe about six months it takes about a transition. Well, let me just say this. I will not fund the youth center. I will not make a recommendation that the city council fund your youth center if you are still the executive director.
1: Damn. That's what he said.
2: Straight gangster shit. And I go and I said, you know, it sounds kind of illegal to be leveraging public funds. Like here you're saying you're going to withhold public funds to an right. organization that's right. doing wow. positive work in your community. When did, he think,
0: when did he think it was his money?
2: Well, yeah. the thing is this is that uh in 20 this was this was 2015, right, going through all that. Um I had city council members do the same thing. I mean, come on. I've had p- sergeants come into my office. This is even 2002 I had a sergeant come into my office, a police sergeant came into my office and he says, "You know, um this is cool, man. You know, the recording studio, everything you're doing for kids here is great, you know?" But, you know, like you're taking kids over to the to protest, like you to go to City Hall and all that. And you're putting like the police department on blast for stuff that we do. You know, he said the chief of police has a lot of influence over who gets city dollars. You know what I'm saying? So um, it, and I was like, I go, you making a threat? He, goes, <laughs> he said, he, he said, you know what? Uh, you can consider that uh, a message.
0: I, I, you know what, these motherfuckers, you want to always, in these fucking situations, these guys, you go, the guy go, they come in, they go, let me tell you something, it'd be real terrible if something was to fall on your head when you're, you're walking to your house, and then you go, you may making a threat! They never just say... Yeah, I am, actually. It's a threat. <laughs> they always say, well, you know what? You can take it however you want. Consider it a warning. You yeah, know, like yeah. they
2: never say, yeah, it's a threat. But it's a threat. It's a threat. We've been threatened. Bottom line is this. Dude, the- I
0: just looked up. Look, I just looked up Rod Gould. Yeah. I just showed Steve a picture of this dude, guy. Dude, he looks like a predator. Dude, he does. No, he looks like predator. we don't know. We don't know at looks all. Looks like. We have no information. He looks like. And yeah. it looks like. But uh, not only that, dude, but how many chins does this guy have? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but, you know, let me tell you, the finish the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. So, so this guy, you know, The sergeant. No, no. Okay. The, well, the sergeant was in 2002. Okay, okay, okay. But, you know. But Gould. But Gould,
1: Gould Rod Gould. Gould. Right. This
2: guy tells me, you know, resign and we'll give you the money. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't resign, we're not going to give you the money. Resign
1: uh, from what you started. Correct. Yeah. Please. Your youth center. Correct. They want you to resign. They want from me it. to
2: resign. They want. They <laughs> want. They want me out because they don't like the voice that I provide. They don't like that I organize young people. That I'm educating young people. Oh, right. Right, you know? right. Can you right, imagine right,
0: right, if right, right. you're Gould and you're sitting on a uh, on a pile of like just you know money and power and you're trying to keep it in a certain way? And you imagine. Like Oscars alone, with a huge chunk of of young people, and sharing his ideas about equality, can you imagine how threatening (laughs) that is to a guy like that?
2: So go on. So, see, our motto is peace, unity, and social justice. Yeah, they have no problem with peace and unity, but with the social justice, they have a real problem. How are you gonna,
0: dude? You, 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 how are you gonna make money that you're not entitled to if you're if you're promoting social justice? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Bottom
2: line is this: is that um, you know, there was a threat from the beginning. So this guy, here's the crazy thing, how karma works. So this guy, wait, wait. So this guy Rod Gould, says, you know, resign uh, or else you will get no money from the city. Uh, Long story short, they cut all our funding.
1: What? They cut everything. They
2: cut everything. They, took from, they went from 190 to zero. Cut all of our money. We lost 40% of our budget in one year.
1: You know, you guys listening, Mister and Mrs. Headphones, are you listening to the gangster shit that's going on in City of Santa Monica, and that we got a man standing up against all this shit? Oscar, yeah. go ahead, Oscar. Yeah. So
2: then, so then, you know, we lost all the money. City council members were also involved. This one, Kevin McEwen, who's the current, he's the current um, mayor right now. By the way, at the time that they took all the funding from the Pico Youth and Family Center. They funded the Police Activities League one point six million oh, and they were oh, and they were damn. under investigation for five counts of child molestation. You see what I'm saying? Who was the Police Activities League. In the city, of Santa Monica, but they funded them one point. How much? One point six million. Ooh. And
1: you just needed a couple hundred grand. A to couple be of
2: hundred grand. So they, so they cut all of our funding, even though there was no wrongdoing. No one ever alleged that we hurt a child. You right. I mean? Right. 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 But yet you have another organization, and just because Damn. it's affiliated with the police and and part of the establishment's you know public relations apparatus yeah they fund them while they're under investigation for investigation for child Unbelievable. molestation now right now as we speak right now there are 18 young men and women that have come forward saying that they were molested by three staff members at the police activities league over a period of like 20 years you know oh what I'm saying? my god so there was a child porn there was a a, a, a a child sex a, a pedophile ring right. going on at the police activities league and yet they cut the funding from the P- uh, Pico Youth and Family Center, but now it all makes sense because we were we started speaking out against that child molestation. Right. we, uh-huh. speaking we were speaking out about that abuse, and at one and one and at one point, I remember telling this one police officer, I said, "Why are you guys always messing with the PYFC? You guys should be focusing on what's going on at PAL with all that child molestation thing." Right. Mm-hmm. And he, he he and his eyebrows went up. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> so I know that after that,
2: they were like, "We got to get it. We got to go after this guy." So. But you know what happened with Rod Good is this. Hold on, wait,
0: wait. Yeah. Let's drill, let's sit on this for a second because this is uh, fascinating to me. Because Steve and I were just getting done. I we just read Ronan Farrell's uh, uh, Catch and Kill, where he's trying to out Harvey Weinstein, who's like running around in bathrobes and, and like, you know, erectile dysfunction pills trying to rape all these chicks mm-hmm. <clears throat> from the book, allegedly. And now, you know, now, and and he's trying to publish it. And then everyone that's trying to publish it, they have predators in their organization, too. So they're like, hey, Ronan, you better not publish that. No one. That's not even. Is that news? That's not even newsworthy. You know, all this stuff. He fought so hard to get that out. And here we are just, you know, a couple of miles away from Hollywood. And you're sitting here trying to do something good for the community and the police league is under, youth league is under investigation for not like one count. No. 18 (laughs) counts.
1: 18 counts.
0: (laughs) And they're donating money and they're saying it's okay. And it's almost like you go like, like, you know, whether it's Rod Gould or it's other city council people or it's even the police chief, like even the police chief, you go like. They have, some of them have children, and, like, don't they ever just kind of, like, say, God damn, enough's enough. Like, like I, I got some money. I already live, I'm not gonna, I'm probably gonna come out a hero if I actually shut this shit down. I I probably look good if I'm the one that's on the side of, like, hey, guys, like, we've got a little crazy here, like... Let's get it all out in the open. Let's, let's get ahead of this thing. Yeah, let's lance the boil. Let's tell the truth. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, I'm not here to protect a pedophile. I can't. That's not, that's my, I'd rather do that. But how come, what do you think is the reason they never do that?
2: It's the same reason why the Catholic church is, moves around the priests. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. Is they, 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 they believe that the cover up is better for them because they don't want to bring a negative light to their institution. You see what I'm saying? So what they did is they covered it all up. I mean, th- this case right here is like a dateline story you right. know, because it's deep. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a whole lot of shit, a lot of moving pieces. And uh, there's lawsuits right now going forward, you know, that the victims are, you know, they've all lawyered up. Yeah, you know what I'm of course. And and what people don't know, and this is the first time on the show that I'm going to let you all know this. Exclusive right exclusive now. Exclusive right up. now. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department has an open investigation on the Santa Monica Police and the City Council and the city staff. Damn, over the alleged, over the allegation that there was a cover up on the child molestation that happened at the Police Activities League. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this shit, this shit's about to get even crazier. It's gonna blow up. You know what I'm saying? Because there It'll is blow
1: up a, in a bunch of people's face. Hold on That's a right. second.
0: Yes. Hold on a second. Let's turn to our studio audience. Audience, what do you think about the LA Sheriff's Department investigating the uh, Santa Monica Police cover up? They love it.
2: They love it. They man. love it. All right. Well, you know, I think... I, I mean, look, there, there there, are very few things that are more evil than molesting, than sexually molesting children. Right. You yes. see what I'm saying? Yes. yes. I mean, there were some people that would probably uh, choose death rather than that. You know right. what I'm saying? Yes. So... You know, that this happened over a number of years. I mean, the guy that was alleged to have committed these crimes, the guy committed suicide Suicide. two weeks before his trial. You know what I'm saying? mm -hmm. Do you think it was like Epstein? Do you think he really committed suicide? You know, I I haven't seen the dead body or the coroner's report. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know
0: what? These guys always, when they're in the center of the cover-up, and it looks like, because, you know, the linchpin, the, the insurance that they always have is like, well, listen, if I go down, I'm taking down everybody. Right. And then all of a sudden, those guys commit suicide.
1: All right, but you never get to find out, or nobody gets to investigate anything around it. That's, that's
0: like. like the that's like a, yeah, it's a suicide, you know? And well, it's suspicious to me. I don't there, know. Do anything. they get
1: the money, or do their families get the money if they commit suicide?
0: Wait a second. Uh, well, this is how it might work. If there's an organization that assisted in uh-huh. the cover up, uh-huh. and then the guy commits suicide that's at the center of it, if they can prove that the organization covered it up, then absolutely
1: absolutely they can get the money so what okay so okay so they let me want to bring it back because i want you to finish <laughs> this story of them cutting complete funding from you because you wouldn't operate the way they wanted you to operate you're a threat they cut off the funding how long in their minds is it thinking before you go out of business once you have no more funding
2: what's crazy is that same day where the city council mem- city council voted to cut all the funding uh, Gleem Davis, a city councilwoman that lives in the north side, wealthy a lawyer, she makes a motion to give $50,000 to the Pico Youth and Family Center. And people were looking at her like, wait a minute, we just cut all their funding. What's the $50,000 for? Mm-hmm. And she says... So that they can transition their youth out of that program into other services. You see what I'm saying? We so, can funnel them right into the yeah. p- police youth league. Exactly. Exactly. So the whole thing wow. was she, she wanted $50,000 <laughs> allocated so that we can transition our youth out. So she in her mind thought this is the end for the youth center. But here's how the spirit world works. Yeah. Around the same time all this is going on.
1: Listen to this right now, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Around the same time that this is all going down, this is in the newspapers, right? There's a woman that's on her deathbed. like She's she's on her way out. She's 92 years old. Okay. Right? She brings her lawyers in to the hospital bed. Uh-huh. And she says, I want to donate all my money to charity. Mm-hmm. She has $27 million. Fuck and one of the organizations that she selects is the Pico Youth and Family Yes. Team. She says, she says, I want to f- out of her words the lawyer told me that the lo- that the lawyer the lo- the lawyer said, you know, told me the story um, said I want to support this man and his work. So these attorneys gave me a call after we got our funding cut and mm-hmm. they and they said, "Hey, we want you to come to to our office. We have something to show you that's going to change things, you know, in <laughs> terms of your organization." So I went over there And they handed me a check of $1.6 million. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so they they they, they donate. It's fucking one of the best stories yeah, they, they, of my entire yeah, life yeah, ever, bro. crazy you crazy. Know story, like, bro. You
0: know how like when, when 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 you're feeling down and you're like, what if it's like one of those movies and then someone's gonna walk up and hand me a check yeah, and then yeah, it yeah. never happens because right. real life ain't like that, right? In this case, it actually happened. It's, In
2: this case, you know the uh the, the great uh, Peggy Bergman. That was her name. That was her name. Oh, the lady yeah, that yeah, that, passed the lady that passed away. Oh, yeah, passed away. Peggy, Peggy Bergman. God bless her. Yeah. So. So so blessings to her, you know, and to the spirit world and the people looking out for us, because if not for her, this Mm -hmm. organization would have gone down. Wow.
1: Oscar, that is a testament, bro, to you showing up, you doing the right thing, you being unflinched, unmoved. And people, you know, people are so caught up in the uh, immediate gratification. I'm going to do this, but I want to pay back. I want to pay back. And you know what, man? You're a testament, man. That doesn't just happen to anybody. That happens to somebody who has perseverance. Somebody who does the right thing day after day after day and won't be moved. Those are the people that get the blessings of stuff like this. The stuff you you would never imagine. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean,
2: I've always thought about, you know. Uh, everything i went through at that time you know what i'm saying from the city manager's conversation the politics i had even offered my resignation i said you know all right well if it's going to take me to resign you know what i'm saying to save the youth center to save the youth center i'm willing to do you that were, right. you know i have my master's degree i'll get another job i'm right, not worried right, right, i've right, never right, been worried right, about right. money's never it's been ain't a, a bit of money thing no right. exactly it, and uh, it was just the way they were doing it you know just right. gangster shit pushing me out you know right well um, so
0: i want to say something so <clears throat> so like look he was talking about Rod Gould, and I was like, "All right, let's take a look at what this fucker looks like." Right, his eyes are a little too close together. He's a fucking weird looking guy. What is the headline? Let me. Maybe Oscar might know. This is in the Santa Monica Mirror. Not only did Karma give uh, 1.6 million to the to the youth center, mm-hmm. right? Something else,
2: some else happened to Rod Gould. Rod
0: Gould. So so Karma's a bitch. I don't know if you know this. Mm. But karma is a cold motherfucker. It's Why? Because it's on? like a croco- like one of the oldest, biggest crocodiles in the fucking oh, swamp. Yeah, there you go. Right? They, they, it doesn't need to eat a lot, but when it, it does... Eat, it, eats everything.
1: it eats everything.
0: So what
2: happened to former Santa Monica City Manager Rod Gould? So Rod Gould, after telling me, you resign, right? Mm-hmm. This brother then you know, leaves the, the Santa Monica City uh, government, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to go get another job. Mm-hmm. The job he's going to get that he's been promised is to vice president of another company, right in the Bay Area. That company he gave millions of dollars to in contracts as a city manager. It's illegal for you to take that job. You see what I'm saying? So when this guy leaves the city, Santa Monica, and he's going to get probably more money working for this private company, this private firm that he had given contracts to, there was a group called the Transparency Project that made an issue of it, said, hey, wait a minute, you cannot take a job <laughs> from, from, a, from a company that you gave contracts to, public contracts to. That's illegal. Right, That's which
0: illegal. public contracts are paid by the, the, taxpayers. the, the taxpayers. That's mm-hmm. like your money, my money, yeah. everyone's money. Man. This fat fuck ragu with his fucking fucking turkey neck shit, he's like a half Mitch McConnell, half Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> he, not- he, he fucking, <laughs> right, he took taxpayer money. Yep funneled it to a company on contracts yep this company was from where
2: from the bay area
0: and 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 by the way just out of curiosity are there a lot of bay area tech companies that are now moving down into this area
2: a bunch (laughs) you see how it starts yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and
0: then afterwards right after he funnels money to them when he quits being a city manager supposedly managing the people's money Mm -hmm. they're like hey we got a job for you man you why'd you come up here and work for us now? Now uh, that you're no longer city manager it was even
2: better than that. It was like, hey, get us those contracts. You right, know what I'm saying, right. And then when you're ready to make the transition, you can come work. We, for got, us. You. we right. got you. We got right. you exactly. That, that was is, one
0: of those conversations. I guarantee you, it's just like with the with the fucking with the, with the mafia thing where they were. They're like, hey, you know, it was one of those conversations. Like, hey, listen. You know, I don't know now, but, you know, we always have new openings whenever our <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. jobs. And let me just tell you, we pay pretty high salary and there's right, a lot right, of cushy. Right, shit. Right, right, yeah. By the way, we we also need, we're, we're looking to win the contract down in Santa Monica. You, right, think, right, right, right. It's right, like one right. of those yeah, conversations. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I bet you this guy thought, I bet you, how happy do you think Rod Gould was when he was like, got first jumped on his little plane and was like, I'm going to my new cushy job. Mm-hmm. And then how shocked do you think he was when all of a sudden they grabbed the hook and were like, man. Eh, not so
2: fast. What happened is, is he was forced to resign his job. Yep. Homeboy, homeboy had to resign because it was illegal what he did. So the Transparency Project here in Santa Monica filed a lawsuit against him in the Bay Area because the because the, the the city the city attorney in Santa Monica said, "Oh, we can't prosecute, we can't we can't apply our our own policies because it's out of our jurisdiction. You know, <laughs> it's out here in the Bay Area." Mm-hmm.
0: I guarantee you, that's what they told them too. They're like, "We're well, just going,
2: going for that shit." Yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to give you a job
0: out of the jurisdiction, so there's no trouble, don't you right, worry? Right, right, yes.
2: right. So then the good people here in Santa Monica filed a lawsuit against him. So you know he was going to lose that lawsuit. He resigned his position so it was kind of funny you know like he was forcing me to resign the person that ended up having to resign was him you know what i'm saying right and it's so great right, the headline, right, and that's right, exactly right, what the
0: headline right. says so the guy so the headline is former santa monica city manager rod gould forced to resign as part of a corruption
2: settlement
1: damn yeah
2: so think about that this is the same guy that when I the first words out of his mouth when i step into his office when are you going to resign when are you going to resign, gonna resign? And you know the thing Sky, is. Man, you see though? But that's what I'm saying, is that's why it's a warning to all my enemies. You know what I'm saying? Don't yes. fuck with me because I got, I, I got backup, homie, in the spirit world. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And you know yeah, why? Yeah. And I'll say this. And you man. got
1: backup in the physical in world too. In the physical too.
2: world too. But my thing is this is that, I'm, you know, the physical world, I already know, you know, what it is. But in the spirit world is what I'm working for. You know mm, what I'm saying? Like, mm. I, I in a, you know, a long time ago, I decided that, you know, I want to follow my heart. You know, I want to follow my spirit. And that spirit has always been about helping people. You know and and people can say a lot of things about me, whatever, but one thing that they can't take away and they can't say uh, and have no criticism on is that my intentions are really sincere in terms of helping others. I've always been about that it brings me great joy to do that and and that's something that I'm always going to be about you know what I'm
1: saying yeah you know what I can and you know what Juman you keep on asking me for my testimony on the case yeah, I can say that for the last you know you know over a, a, a over a decade um since since I've sat with with Oscar, Oscar's done nothing, but put his hand out to help me. He's done nothing but support me. And listen, everybody, all my listeners know that I've gone through some trials and tribulations, man. I've made some mistakes. I've fallen short. And I walk in every time I see Oscar. Every time I walk in, he don't look at me sideways. He don't look at me any different. He always asks me and encourages me and is always working. Like Let's do this. Let's do that. He looks past my shortcomings, sees my value, lets me know that I'm a value and, and wants to work, wants to leave that behind. And, and let's work for the future. What can we do now? Right. It's always been like that, man. And I've never once come to you, Oscar, and asked you for something. Yeah. And you haven't said okay, or you know what? If it's not okay right now, let me make it okay. Let me make some phone calls to get it. And we're sitting here doing the podcast from Pico Youth and Family Center because of again Oscar stepping up and supporting what we do. And this is why I have support for this gentleman and whatever he does, man. I mean, it's real important.
2: I mean, look, we're a community, and what does that mean? You know, and uh, the word unity is in that word community.
0: Uh, that's and, true. And you need
2: to be united. You can't build community without unity. And we gotta back each other up. I mean, my thing has always been, help help people. It comes back to you. You know that's why. I mean, honestly, there's no other way to explain everything that we've been through with the youth center and 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 my career here. Uh, there's only one way to say that it's just it's, it's in the spirit world that all this stuff has been worked out. You know, I really truly believe that because there's there's been many times. You know, what I'm saying where this organization should have probably have gone gone under. You know, because of the political attacks were hardcore. And then the financial issues, it's not it's not easy to keep a a youth center, a nonprofit open in the city of Santa Monica. I mean, look, the YWCA folded, you know what I'm saying? Right. And they're large organizations and we're still around. And I think part of it is because people you know what? um, It's like that saying, you know, like the true test of character is, you know, when no one's watching, you know, what I'm saying like, what are you going to do when no one's watching? And, you know, I think we've passed that test Like, we've been sincere about helping people out on the other hand. You, the city is so dirty to the point that they have organizations that are under their control, you know, that are right now facing legal challenges around child, you know, hurting children. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so it's just it's just uh it's a crazy story, man. But it's 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 real important for people to understand, you know, this story of what's happened and and, and, and the extent, you know, that people in power go to, you know, to silence voices, you know, critical voices like they especially
0: want- for those that maybe need the most protection, which is like kids and, and, and you you can't do it with without any transparency man there's no way and there's never going to be transparency everyone thinks like oh well we should deregulate this or we should deregulate that and but the truth of the matter is is that no one is motivated to tell the truth if they if they're trying to hide something
2: and the things you know the people these uh i mean the government the government in Santa Monica like many other governments, you know they they don't want opposition. They got a good hustle going on. They're making a lot of money. I mean, there's people being paid. You know, you look at how much money some of these folks are making. It's like crazy to think that you have a, a what it costs to run a youth center for a whole year, which our budget right now is close to three hundred thousand a year. Uh huh. There's there's multiple. There's more than two hundred police officers making that right now in the city of Santa Monica. And you <sighs> you mean to tell me? That, you know, one police officer is worth a whole youth center with four staff members with multiple programs running for the whole year, Monday through Friday, you know, from 12 to 7 p.m. Aren't we the,
1: they, are, Is it true that they're the highest paid police department
2: per capita out here? Correct. By contract, they have to be. When you run for city council, they sit you down in a room. The Police Officers Association, which is the union that runs mm-hmm. the police uh, department, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll ask you three questions. And on those three questions... If you say no to any of them, they won't consider you for endorsement. And the for, and all those questions have to do with money. You know, do you do you uh, support our contract? Do you support increasing our contract? And do you support us being the top paid in the county? You know what I'm saying? Wow. And if you say no to any of that, we ain't even considering endorsing you for your election. Well, let's and that's let's, how it works.
0: Let's get let's let's get real. Like, let's just fucking break it down to to, to the reality. Okay, <clears throat> at some level, a government is a mob organization in a sense that is to say they are making rules they are taking tribute which is called a tax tax right and they have an enforcement arm correct okay and that enforcement arm are the police correct okay now the difference between the government and a mob in a sense is that the mob is supposed to be inconspicuous in that they're operating behind the scenes They're generally not, and sometimes in conflict. The government is supposed to be apparent. That's why the police are supposed to wear uniforms and all that other stuff. You're supposed to know who you're dealing with. Now, when I compare those structures, I'm not making a judgment about government. I'm not saying that it's wrong to have a government, because I think anybody who's going to enforce rules is going to have to have an enforcement arm and all that other stuff. But the fucking core question, Oscar, I come back to every goddamn second of my life that I'm alive on this goddamn planet is... Whose government is it? <laughs> That's
2: a very good question because it changes. But, you know, it comes down to who has the money and who has the power. You know what I'm saying? and and Well,
0: the, the people don't have the money. Well, I'll tell you that right now. They starve
2: the people out. But let me say this. The people with justice. See, there's times in, in our history where we've yeah. seen that organized people against organized money with justice on their side can win. Absolutely. So you absolutely have organized right. money and you have organized people. You need massive movements. That's why the People Youth and Family Center is so threatening to the local government because we have the ability with principle, right, to organize people. And so, and so that's why they were so threatened by that. They didn't want to see, you know, people of color having a space where they can congregate, where they can, you know, put Malcolm X on the wall or Cesar Chavez on the wall or celebrate Dia de los Muertos, you know, because our culture is also very threatening. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. when we celebrate our culture and they wanted to take that away, and, and they're very threatened by that. So that's the same reason why the Black Panther Party was attacked. Right. The Pro and all that. Or the American Indian Movement. Aim. Or anything. Uh, the Brown Berets. Any, any time that we have seen in our history where working class people... Um, you know, even even organized labor. I mean, you can look at Absolutely. all that. So there's any time that the people organize, there will be repercussions. There will be a backlash by those women, in power. women who women's who, rights, whatever. Women's right. rights. You know what, man? All historically marginalized groups. Any anywhere there's oppression, and people organize to fight off that oppression or to free themselves, there will always be a backlash from the, those in power. Well, so this is what I'm saying.
0: So this is what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is, it's like this, man. Whose fucking government is it? If you, were to, if you were to believe what the founding fathers and mothers, right? When I say founding fathers, I also include red, brown, and black because without the contributions of all the people, there, would, there wouldn't be any America. All right. Let's stop playing games. Let's get real. <clears throat> and so the issue is, is this. If you believe that document, it's the people's government. It belongs to the fucking people. But you know what? it doesn't belong to the people by default in the sense that you don't have to do anything and it's going to work for you it belongs to you when you take it back through organizing and really protesting like lately i've been thinking that americans are very illiterate and and, and, and cuz i believe that there's a ton of people who might not be in the same categories that we're in that want change too poor whites Right. Medium white, like like medium income level, everybody, everybody would like a little more time off work so they could spend it with their family. Everybody would like to make a little bit more money than what they're making now so they don't have to scramble and be straight. There's not a single person, but they have somehow convinced everybody that it's impossible and nobody knows how to protest in a long enough fashion that those with the money and the power finally relinquish and say, you know what? Fuck it. We can't do like, I was telling somebody else, like you could shut down Los Angeles, like if you told everybody like, you know what? Don't go to work today. Everybody just take a big fucking break. You would be able to
2: really scare the shit out of these people. And now that's
1: leverage. That would be real leverage.
2: How do we get to that? Oscar? You know, I think the conditions have to get to the point where people are fed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, if, if, if like, if, if we don't organize the conditions will. you know what I'm saying? like mean, mm-hmm. you see the amount of homelessness? Oh, it's crazy. you see the amount of, um, you know, I mean, look, what led us to create a youth center, which we're standing in right now mm-hmm. was a lot of violence. Right. I mean so it's and, 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 and so it's unfortunate that things have to get really bad until they get better, you know what I'm saying? So I mean, we we might end up in a period in our country, it's kind of it's scary in a way to think, you know, with Trump being in office and what happens if he is impeached, what happens if he loses the election, you know, what does he do? Because he has, he, he, he really does have the ability to, to, to organize his base, you know what I'm saying, to say these people are corrupt. You well, know, you know what's so crazy and, about and, that? And to, and to create a backlash. You, you know, know what's
0: so saying? crazy about what you're saying? He does have an ability to organize his base. But, you know,
2: his base is really pissed off, but they're not pissed off at the right people that's right it's so crazy it's like he's making it sound like you know somehow he's a, he, he's also with them against the people that are harming them but the reality is this guy's a billionaire you know this guy <laughs> this guy is part of the problem you know what i'm saying he's just masking himself as like hey i support you guys you know so it's the companies Like, let's let, let's get dude there wasn't like
0: everyone's like make america great again but the truth is whatever era they're talking about like let's say they're talking about the 50s Right. Make America great again. Let's go back to the 50s, which for a lot of Latin, black, American, Indian, whatever, wasn't that great. Okay, fine. But let's even take him at his word. You go back to the 1950s and you look at what was going on. Companies were paying for all the benefits for somebody. And you were loyal to your company and you had a pension plan that wasn't going to go to shit and it was all paid for. And one person could actually work and earn enough for the other person to stay home with the kids. Okay, so make him make a great gift. He's been president now for almost four years, and there's still no companies offering real benefits at the level that they were in the 50s, and in any way, shape, or form. That's never gonna happen. So people are real upset. There's no company loyalty. All the jobs that a lot of these people, like like you were saying, like mid-level skill, whatever, all those are gone. Yeah. And they're never coming back. I got news for America. It's never coming back, right? And instead, he reroutes, he reroutes their anger away from who it should be, which is really, I think, companies. Because those companies do have enough money to take care of everybody. They really do. You don't think Google has enough money to take care of everybody? <laughs> yeah. All right? You don't think Facebook's got enough money? Instead, they don't. And everyone pretends like there's, no, there's not enough to go around. And then, when, then, then Trump comes along and says, you know whose fault it is? Illegal immigrants. Yeah. Illegal immigrants have taken all the jobs. That's <laughs> Which, what he says. Yeah,
2: it's a lie. But It's a
0: lie. And, and so when I'm saying like when he organizes them, he's not organizing them so much as giving them a safe target to get mad at.
2: Yeah, he's just agitating them. You know, that's it's it's you know you agitate the base. I mean, it's just a strategy. You know, to get people to feel like, yeah, he's speaking for me. But you know, I mean, it, it it's it comes down to like I think people at some point get fed up, and then they they want to really make the change. Um, and then sometimes you know things happen in a very odd way, right? It, it something sparks a movement. You know, yeah. Like let's say Rosa Parks, for example. You know her 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 saying i'm not going to sit you know in the in the in the back of the bus i mean that right there sparked the movement but it was coordinated it wasn't just like a, a an accident that, right. that happened this right. was mon- this was months of planning training right. then you they were going to do this uh, organized labor was behind it not just in fact they had to pull martin luther king out of the church you right. know what i'm saying to get involved right. so he wasn't even a part of the initial sort of movement you know to desegregate you know the uh, public accommodations and so forth so Something sometimes is the spark, you know? Yeah. And in Los Angeles, I think LA is really a, a, a something's gonna have to happen. You know, there's gonna have to be a spark to make changes because you know, you look at these communities like even like Santa Monica, uh Inglewood now is next, right? In terms of the gentrification. Absolutely. Like pushing out black Absolutely. and brown and low income people. And then and then it's just gonna keep on going. I mean the even like the downtown sector, Boyle Heights, I mean, you have these communities that, you know, uh sort of affluent or or even middle class white America stayed away from. And now they're starting to look at it like, man, that might be a affordable place to live because the housing prices have gotten so high everywhere. So right. you're gonna see this 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 demographic shift, you know, that's gonna push people out. And at some point people and then with you know, with all the homelessness that's going on and people are having a, a, a hard time, you know, trying to find a way to make ends meet in, in the city. Something's gonna have to give. There's gonna have to be a movement, you know, that's gonna spark it up. And 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 make real change you know to talk about you know jobs and and the economy you know and 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 education and uh, retraining and opportunities there there's just going to have to be that 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 movement that's a, and i don't know where it's going to come from you know what i'm saying but i i hope to be a part of it because
0: i think dude i think you're 100% right but what i think is i think like and we got some challenges facing us in a certain way. One is the level of fake value or fake rewards has really expanded in this society. Like So those are distractions that convince people that they're not earning too little. They're still able to buy a little luxury. I was just thinking about this the other day. Like, for instance, food. Food has now become one of those things where people are like, well, I can actually you know, get a gourmet hamburger or I can get a gourmet coffee and it makes them feel like they have some buying power or some luxury or some kind of benefit in their life that's just enough, like you were saying, to like, when is it, like, if everybody didn't make enough money to get their frap or their latte, there'd be a a fucking massive violent (laughs) revolt tomorrow, (laughs) right? So part of part of what's gone on is there has been a cheapening and a mass producing through technology, uh, uh, obtainable luxury goods that has convinced people that that low check you got is okay. It's it's not the best, but you're not at the worst. The second thing is also, I think, you know, Americans in general have a low self-esteem issue when it comes to what are you entitled to? When I say entitled to, I don't necessarily mean like somebody who thinks that they don't have to do the same work that somebody else has to do. But I'm talking about as a citizen. What are you entitled to as a citizen of the greatest, most wealthiest nation in
2: the world? Healthcare would be one of those things that you would think would be a right. You know what I'm saying? Right. To, to and live so, healthy and, and, and have, if you have health issues to be taken care of. You know? Health? Million- Education? You know? A million different things that you could actually think of,
0: but in order to think that way, you almost have to expect it. You almost have to say because think about when your Rosa Parks example is a great one because I think people have a hard time imagining what the mindset was actually at the time of that that was going on, because because at the time it was going on, there was a lot of people probably that were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's only segregation, it's separate but equal. Like, what's wrong with that? That's not that crazy. Like, it's not that you don't have a water fountain. You have a water fountain. You just don't get to drink at the white one. Why do we need to change that? And at the time, you got to remember, too, you're coming off of, like, even worse racism, right? So at that point in time, a lot of well-intentioned, reasonable people, I'm sure, were thinking, like, that's too much Like I mean come on We're like you. She can sit on the bus What's it matter where she sits
2: I'm sure there was black people You know even that told her Hey look Why are you causing All these problems Rosa Like you're still getting To the mall You know what I'm saying right. So what if you have to Ride in the back right? You, you're gonna make These people mad right? And then all of a sudden We're gonna all feel the pinch You know what right. I'm saying So there was probably People in her own community Probably discouraging her you know Well, I'm So saying? what
0: I'm saying is, is Is now when you look At where we're at today You have to say to yourself Like not only You gotta be a little Unreasonable You have to be a little fucking unreasonable and say you know what no we do need to raise taxes on the rich i don't give a shit if because good luck you know what you want to go to some other fucking country you want to go to china and try to work your shit out in china go ahead and do it then go over there go take your shit over there because guess what uh uh there's a lot of other problems that you don't have here in the united states you got to pay a little bit more tax because you got to start taking care of your own
1: yep right 100 percent I mean,
2: the, 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 the disparity in wealth... It's crazy. It's just too much. I yeah, mean, it's it crazy. is. crazy. Even in Los Angeles, I mean, <clears throat> you see, you know, it's like, even in Santa Monica, it's like crazy, man. I grew up in a, in a, you know, there was seven of us living in a two-bedroom apartment. You know, I was student body president at Santa Monica High, and there was five of us living in one bedroom with two bunk beds. You know right. what I'm saying? So one, two, three, four beds in one room, and I shared a bed with my sister. And right. I, and I was, a, you know, the 18-year-old student body president at Santa Monica High. <clears throat> and I went to school with kids... When my mom took the bus to work, they drove in Porsches, BMWs, and so forth. You know, you saw, you know, go to their homes, and it's like, man, they got, you know, eight rooms, ten rooms, you know, with three people living in it. You know what I'm saying? And and, And when you start seeing these huge disparities where people are like, it's like you don't need all that money. You know what I'm saying? Like And, and you and, know what's and, crazy? And, and it's not that their kids were all that happy. You know what I'm saying? Like totally. it, you would think that they would do way better than us. And it's like there was in some cases, there were, you know, I would look at, you know, having that experience of one foot in this world and one foot in that world. And it's like I've learned really quick, man, that the most important thing is to be happy. And that money will not make you happy. Right. You know, money, money is not gonna make you happy. So um, you know, understanding that there's a real important balance, you know, and for me. I mean, I, I thank God that I learned those lessons really early in my life where I was never a materialistic person. You know what I'm saying? Even though I grew up in the hood and, yeah, everybody wanted a fancy car and, you know, jewelry and stuff like that. I grew up in that era. But I never saw that to me as something that called my attention. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. I, I I just I just didn't buy into that. And so for me, it, it was always about quality of life. Like the things I get to experience that mattered most to me. You right. know what I'm saying? And, uh, yeah, of course I like a little vacation here and there or eat in a nice restaurant. Like, I love those things. And fortunately, I've been able to do all that, you know, but not with a lot of money. You know, I've been able to do a lot of things, and I think part of it is just, like, the, the universe, I think, rewards your true intentions. Hmm. Like, when you're sincere about doing good, you know, on the planet and do, and leaving this planet better for the next generation, I think that the universe rewards that. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I'm not a very religious person, but I'm a very spiritual person. and I, and I And because, you know... I've been I've I've experienced these things in my life, you know, where where I I, I um I've been able to see, do you know the truth of what of what our purpose is on this planet. And our, and my, and for me, my that purpose is to help others to, to How did you see that truth? Something. Did you
0: take ayahuasca?
2: No. Hmm. <laughs> I'll hmm. tell you, I'll tell you one experience hmm. I did have though, which is uh really interesting. I was. We went to Mexico. So we're from Tepatitlan, Jalisco, which is right by Guadalajara. Like 45 minutes from the airport, Guadalajara, I'm home. You know? okay. My mom and dad, they met in this one plaza. They were 15 years old, you know what I'm saying? Where they met in this one plaza. And even to when I was a kid, they don't do it as much anymore. But when I was a kid, it's like the boys would walk clockwise and the girls would walk counterclockwise. And yeah. there was a guy in the corner selling flowers. So if you saw a girl that you liked... You would grab a flower and you would go walk with her and give it to her. And if she accepted it, then you can walk with her
1: around the other way. Around now, the other way. Now with the parents, did you say something about the parents, parents would be there? The
2: parents are all there. The par- everybody's <laughs> hanging out on the plaza, keeping an eye on keeping shit. keeping an eye on shit, checking right. things out. Yeah. Right. And then if you, if, you know, if the girl liked you and you, you know, you got to know her, then you can go visit her at her home. And the whole courtship was you would, you, would, you would never go into the house. You would stand outside in her doorway, you know, outside, in the, and, and the parents would meet you, and you'd meet them, and you can talk to her out there, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of how. I love that. How, how, how it was. It was great. In the, old, in the old times, you know, in, in, in Mexico where my parents grew up. Yeah. Well, in that same plaza, I had this experience, man, while I was walking. We were all hanging out, you know, nephews, a bunch of us cousins, nephews. We're, it's fiesta time. We're going to go to some bar, you know, we're going to go hang out. And I have this. We're all working, walking in a bunch. Is the plaza's packed? You know what I'm saying? It's like maybe a hundred thousand plus people. You know, all hang. It's party time. You know, everybody's hanging out. And I'm walking maybe about four feet away from a nephew who's in front of me. We hit the plaza, and right when we walk through the plaza, like in the middle, I get like this energy that comes into me, bro. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I guess the equivalent. I've never shot a heroin, but I've talked to people that shot a parent and they'll tell you, you know, you shoot that shit, and it's like. Bam. You know, like you get blasted, you know, it's like your whole body gets taken over. You know, you right. feel this amazing, you know, sensation, the best feeling you've ever had. I right. Guess. You know, and, um, and that's kind of how I described it. It was like it took over my whole body when this energy came into me. I felt it. It came in and I froze. I couldn't walk anymore. And when and I looked around and everything was in slow motion and everybody that I looked at, I'm talking about man, woman and child, you know, people I've never seen before. You know, I felt unconditional love for I'm talking about the love I have for my child. You know, when I hold my son, yeah. you know, and I and I hug them, and that love that I get, I felt that for every man, woman, and child that I seen that day, just everyone that I made eye contact with that I looked at. And then my nephew turned around and he grabbed me and he shakes me, you know, and he looks at me with a scared look on his face and he goes, "Did you feel that?" And get I out like, of here. "And I'm looking at him and I'm like, I'm snapping out of it, you know." And yeah. I'm like, "You felt something?" He goes, "Yeah." And i go come on we start walking i go what did you feel you know he goes man i felt something come into me he goes but i thought it was like a mushroom flashback you know what i'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> i did mushrooms back in the days right. you know what i'm saying and so i it felt sounds like, and i, and I yeah. felt this that same feeling and i just felt really weird you know, i was like tripped like like in a trance and then i uh i got scared you know yeah so i kind of fought it off you know but then when i turn around i see dude that you're like in a trance like you're like basically probably feeling the same shit, you know right? So that's when I grabbed you and I shook you, you know Yeah. And I was like, "Damn, that's crazy, so you felt it too." He goes, "Yeah, I felt it too." And I felt it, and anyway, it just shook me up, you know what I'm saying. But one thing though, that, it, that for, from that day forward is I, 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 I uh, lost fear for death. Mm. Like I completely mm. lost fear for death. Like, like I felt like I mean I kind of was in the neighborhood. I kind of always felt like fuck. I can die at any moment. I see a lot of violence. It. Yeah, it's very rare. They talk so it's kind of some... it's kind of like you know like fuck it. You know I guess you know like like kids in the hood. You develop this sort of at some point at a young at a young person's life who sees a lot of violence and death and all that. Where well, you kind of like That shit can happen to me. If it happens, fuck it. You know what I'm saying like you you really can't do nothing about it. Right. You know? Right. And so is that That's that. You know, I guess you can feel that way. And I probably thought like that a couple of times. But as an adult, you know, you start getting scared of death. You know, right? But when that happened to me, I just realized, like, man, we're an energy force. Like, we're we're not. You have to die. It's almost like you have to get on a plane to go to Cancun and be on the beach. You take a risk. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But in order to get there, you got to get on that plane. Right. I look at death as as like that now. Like in order for me to get to the next phase of life which is the long life which is the spiritual life like in order to travel through the universe you have to leave this physical body and this experience that we were having on planet earth you know what i'm saying yeah and i just understood that and that point from that point forward uh i lived my life you know just a lot more with you know just less fear about what's going to happen because all this shit is an illusion like all the things you know money career all the things with the youth center whatever things that i was stressed out about before I put it aside because it's not real. It's not real. This is just something I'm going through, uh, and I have to experience it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just it's just, it's something that's just part of my journey. But I, but 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 to be fearless in the face of death is a very liberating thing. You know I would think so. And it feels, and it feels great. The only thing I fear is not being able to touch my loved ones. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that is something that is in the back of my mind that wouldn't be so cool in terms of the transition that you make. But in terms of you uh, feeling because uh, look you're born you're born by yourself you know when you come into this planet i mean your mom is giving birth to you yeah but you it's a, it's unless you're with twins and, and triplets mm-hmm. and all that but for the most part you know most human beings the experience is you know that you, you do that by yourself and when you die even though there might be loved ones around you if you're lucky you know what i'm saying it's something you're going to do on your own you know well what no saying? one's inside with you no mm-hmm. no one's inside your consciousness with you so in, in a way you kind of have to have that you have to be fearless, you know, in terms of how you approach
1: did life. Did you have you know? a flash of almost, when you say this spiritual word, do you have a flash that, like a knowing that everything was going to be okay?
2: I did, man. I did. I felt I felt that peace. You know, I feel uh, just this, uh, I mean, just to understand that really the most powerful thing you get to do on this planet, you know, is to love. You know what I'm saying? And love is a very powerful emotion. You know, it's, it's something um, that's just a. Uh, I mean even like Che Che Guevara, right? One of his famous quotes is, you know, that a true revolutionary is is motivated by by love, you know? Like like why are you gonna give your life, you know, for a for a movement, you know what I'm saying? It's because Mm. because you love the people. You love you you, you, you love the humanity of it. The humanity of it, like fighting for the poor, you know, like you have love for these people. If you if you have no love for these folks,
1: you wouldn't risk your neck you wouldn't risk your neck you wouldn't make the sacrifices
2: and you know everything that that the youth center that i've done with the youth center it's really it has been you know that's been my guiding
0: well that definitely pervades this place i mean when you look at you got uh all these leaders up on the wall you've got you know some concepts social justice, Aztec stuff mayan stuff from like the roots You've got <clears throat> also street art or, yeah. you know, urban art or whatever. You've got that studio. So hip hop to a certain extent, like that really does what you're saying about love for the people from you personally. And I personally, you know, it's it's to me, it's leader or it's leader dependent. There's some leaders that it's about the power for them. And to some leaders, it's about the love for the people. For you, it comes across clear to me anyway, that it's love for the people in your community. And ah man, dude, I was dude, were you were you captured by what Oscar was saying happened to him in the plaza?
1: Yes, bro. Well, I think the whole... We went into an old pool hall on Olympic. Right? You and had that
0: happen to you in a pool hall?
1: No. <laughs> we went into an old pool, yeah, strip hall, strip an old I pool think, hall. I think he yeah. I think, I think had that happen <laughs> to him in a strip <laughs> club. <place. laughs> a few times. And he was showing me a picture of they have these huge beautiful maps on the wall of mexico yeah and he was saying hey look it this is right where my family's from and he was showing me and we sat down and we were talking and he tells me about this story but the whole story about the plaza how the women would walk one way and the men would walk the other and when you spotted a girl you liked you'd buy the flower and if she accepted you guys walked together. like. That whole courtship thing and that you go to the parents, but everybody's on the porch. You know, you don't go into the house. You can talk. I just think that the courtship and all that, that old school traditional shit is, I love that stuff, man. I I love that stuff, man. I think we should go to the
0: plaza and
1: And do the podcast
0: from the plaza. Oh,
1: that'd be crazy.
0: Wouldn't
2: that be awesome? You know what's interesting? And and I I reflected on that, too, is like... um, I mean, how many relationships started at that plaza? Like the first time that a young man and a young woman meet, when their eyes oh, connect oh. and they feel something, you man. know, and then it turns into a relationship, and yeah. then it turns into a family, and it turns into all these kids and, and grandkids. The kids, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think, and I and, and, and I think to myself, like, you know, my mom and dad met right there, so think that there's like these portals, right? Like, like, the yeah, energy, the energy created there is like it, it, there was still memory. There was a there was a, a fingerprint or an imprint made.
1: You on know, the universe, on the universe, absolutely. And absolutely. I walked into
2: that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like, like years, like let's say, you know, like almost kind of going back in a time machine. I come back and I hit that moment. You know where that happened to them. You know, right? What I'm saying? And if they, if that doesn't happen between them at that moment, I'm not born. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? That's right. why
0: in in the movie Back to the Future, they're disappearing off the photograph because he's ruining when they first met in that high school. So, you know, we got to get, let's get Oscar to flex capacitor. Let's go back in time and, and see yeah. if we can't see that imprint. It'd be
2: a trip. You know, the other thing I want to say about that, now that you reminded me, my mom, when she immigrated, you know, yeah. she, she came to Santa Monica. My dad, my dad came here first, and my mom came, and she told me she arrived on a Friday, and by Monday she was working. You know, she's a hardworking woman. I love that. She got a job on a Monday. I love that. At a laundromat, like she was washing clothes, you know what I'm saying, right here on 9th and Pico, when yeah. I opened up the first youth center. She walks in to that facility, and she looked around, and she goes, "This is where I got my first job." Get out of here! I opened the youth center without knowing in the exact same location—not the same building because it was a different building—but the same exact location where my mom got her first job washing clothes.
0: Get out of here!
2: You think about that—that's
0: a—that's a—that's a a trip. Yep.
2: And so—and so to think that you know here you have immigrant women, right? Uh huh. Whose kids are going to make a positive difference in this country? Right. Whose children are going to be school board members, youth center directors, get it educated, and do something positive. Right. right? And make this and make this country a better country. Instead you
0: know of instead of building some kind of like bullshit wall that's not really going to solve any problems, just going to sound good on paper, but really just waste everyone's time and waste a lot of effort.
2: Yeah. The it's you know the thing is 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 immigrants. I mean, first of all, I don't even like to consider, you know, Mexicans as immigrants, you know, because...
0: The border crossed. Listen, yeah. let me tell you something. You're talking to American Indian, right? So when people start talking about immigration, I'm, I'm, my fucking mind almost explodes. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah. We've been, you know, we've been in Chicago for a hundred years. You yeah. know, we're yeah. really from here. And I'm like,
2: man,
0: yeah. get the fuck out of here.
2: Yeah, no. The thing is, is I, you know, <laughs> me as Chicano, being Chicano, I see myself as indigenous. You know, like like I look at my grandma. You know, of course, it's they an are. Indian woman. Of course, they you know, are. she's 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 uh, you know. I, I can just see it in, in, in her, you know? And, uh, you know, when she was alive. She died at 104 years old. Your but, mother? Yeah, my grandmother. Your grandmother. My mom is still alive. Oh, but God uh, bless. So I see, I see you know, I, I see that connection to the land and to, you know, there's certain things that I get really turned on by, you know, like corn, like the corn harvest, you know. Right. Th- things that when my dad, my dad would uh, always want to go back to Mexico when the corn, you know, was harvesting. And uh, he took me and we would go and, you know, it was just, The idea of grabbing corn, you know, fresh from the stock and then and having a barbecue pit and barbecuing the corn and eating corn. You know, it was, it, was a, it was better than the meat. You know what I'm saying? Right. Hell yeah, it and, is, bro. And, and, I,
1: have a, I, have a, I have like a love affair with corn, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know what that is. Because, dude, you did your keep DNA Keep on talking t- t- about it. But when you just said nothing, so, dude, I have, I told people, I go, dude, I have like this weird thing with corn yeah. and anything made of corn, yeah. like I got to put it into me. Because, I've got to eat it. Because, dude, you did your DNA test and what percentage Indian are you? I think it was 13 or
0: 5%
2: yeah, Native it's American. But so that's real. That's real. The connection corn seems, thing. Look, the, the Mayan believed that the first human being came out of corn. And I thought that was kind of ridiculous. But wow. Just, but just as ridiculous as, as the first uh, woman coming out a, of a, a man's a rib. Uh, rib. Right. 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 That's a ridiculous concept, too, if you think about it. So the idea that the first human being came out of corn was a little ridiculous when I first heard that, <laughs> that, that theory. Here's what's nuts is I was flying back, you know what I'm saying, on an airplane, mm-hmm. and, in, and in The, the Economist, you know the you know this magazine with a lot of good reputation there was a little article man it was a short article and it said how scientists were able to uh sort of replicate parts of dna like or of 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 blood like like there's a, a part of the blood of human blood within the dna of corn you know what i'm saying so it was like it it, it 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 was it was then I started it tripped out it tripped me out you know some kind yeah. of relationship I'm like what's the relationship of- but one thing for sure I know is like the seasons the you know there's traditions that get passed on just like I think also that trauma gets passed on through DNA so mm-hmm. life experiences get well passed let me on tell you, you let me tell you something I also feel that like traditions and culture and a lot of things also things that we don't really comprehend get passed on through DNA you listen know I'm, I'm gonna tell you something I don't
0: <clears throat> there are for sure right things that go on with DNA. When you take the DNA strand and and you break it all out, they have certain uh, proteins that act on the information that's in the DNA. The DNA, when it's written out, actually got more shit in it than you need. Okay, it's got a ton of things, right? It's got all the colors in the eyes. Part of the features that come out in somebody are through these different proteins. One of the proteins sets it up for how loud or quiet the feature is going to be and then another one just puts the brake on it completely and what they've determined through studies is that while some of that is passed down in like a straight like sex to sex thing like a like the sperm to the egg and and it goes that way Mm -hmm. there's also environmental factors that can happen to somebody social social interactions environmental factors Everything from pollutants to trauma, Mm -hmm. stress is what they called it. They didn't say trauma. They said stress, which is... And that can alter the proteins to change your DNA breaks and or volume control on certain features. Now, Mm -hmm. what they discovered was they always thought that when the sperm hit the egg, everything got reset. Because that makes sense. You're like, okay, we're starting a new person. So Mm -hmm. the breaks and the volume control gets reset starting from zero blank slate what they've discovered is is that there are volume controls and environmentally imprinted things that go on from grandparents even up to two generations up that can sometimes get passed on from the sperm to the egg for sure
2: wow so yeah so that explains a lot like when you do a barbecue when you do a barbecue (laughs) and all the men hover around the barbecue you know area and they're flipping burgers and shit like that but if you did that in the stove, it wouldn't be the same thing, you know. what I'm saying it's like right. it's like the fire. Something about like men coming around, you know, meat around the fire that is just in, embedded in our in our DNA. People just love to do that, you know. What well, I'm
0: saying? but I think it's worth thinking about in sense of like, okay, so cool. That kind of explains a little bit about how we got here and all this other stuff. But also, you have to take into mind, right? You got to take this into account, which is like, well, if I go two, three generations above, what was going on to my grandpa and what was going on to my great grandpa? Right. And how how is that? Because I dude, I puzzle on this Oscar every day. I think about how the fuck did the so-called greatest generation create the hippies who then voted for Reagan? How the hell did that happen? How does that happen? And I got to think that the imprint or something else that's going on for grandparents. And then you ask yourself, so how did we get to millennials? How did we get to Gen Z? And we can look at ourselves directly and be like, part of what we're doing is creating that. Part of yeah. what we're doing is creating
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. If you move 40 years ahead of us, what are we creating right now?
2: Exactly. Well, that's the thing. That's what's so important to create, you know, for us to do the podcast, Be aware of that. Music, you know, information. We We have to have our imprint. We have to share the knowledge that we've gained. And that's why it's so good to be on this program, man. Man,
0: that was an Oscar. A grand Oscar. De La Torre took us on a tour. De La Torre took... What is that? Of the Tower? Is that what that means? De La Torre? De La
2: Torre, yeah. Of the Tower. Yeah. He,
0: uh, let me tell you something. The man of the tower, the man in the high tower, the, the, the king in the high castle, whatever. The he, Patron. The uh, Patron. He took us on, a, on the grand tour. We started out with city council, yep. fucking lawsuits, and then we wound up hearing about the the plaza and dna yeah. unbelievable yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah yeah this is part of a one part of a five series with oscar <laughs> um and the ongoing saga and on, ongoing plight of oscar because oscar's got many things in front of him and i want to stay tuned in always no matter where we go what we do with this podcast how can there's people a chair hel- for him how can people help oscar in his fight and help out the Pico Youth Family Center. What can they Oscar? do, Oscar?
2: We have a webpage. It's a www.picoyouth, P-I-C-O-Y-O-U-T-H, picoyouth.org. So okay. uh, people can go there, uh, make donations. They can come and volunteer. So if they want to come and be a part of the movement, help out, um, share their uh, skills in film or share their skills in music, uh, tutoring, whatever it is that that they're passionate about, there's a place for them to serve. And that's one thing that's real important, you know, is for people to understand that by service, when you give, you get. You know, what I'm saying, you give, you get a lot more. You get a lot more back when you give to others. You know, what I'm saying, it's real important mm-hmm. for people to understand. For me, at least, happiness has come, you know, through service to others. And mm-hmm. so, it's real important for people to volunteer. So, uh, money is one good way, easy way, you know, to support the youth center. Yeah. But also, uh, people coming around and volunteering, getting involved. You know, we we giving your time. Giving your time. Your time is also very precious to us
1: man right dude so and
0: what about the lawsuit is there anything anyone can do to help support the appeal or whatever
2: well, you know we we want to launch a whole uh, effort you know to force the city to settle the case you know yeah. because in, in in a way we feel bad that it's a waste of taxpayers dollars that they're just wasting money to to defend really three seats because you know the way we drew up the districts, there's three city council members that are in one location, in one district, meaning that only one of them can represent that district. Right. So what they're fighting for, really, all the million do- dollars that they're spending yeah. is just so that they don't end up all three in one district. They're trying to find a way so that they can all still stay in power and keep the hustle going that they got going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So- um, you know, we want to put pressure on the city government ultimately to settle this case. How you know do we saying? put pressure? You know, call the city council. You know, let city council members know. There's a, you can send an email at council, C O U N C I L, council at smgov.net. Um, so, council at smgov.net. You can send all the city council members a, an email, you know, so just letting them know, like, look, why are we as a liberal so-called liberal city spending millions of dollars to fight you know something that martin luther king gave his life for the voting rights act you know and the california voting rights act and the equal protection clause of the state constitution so right
0: don't they care about equality at all
2: well, when it comes to power, it's like a friend told me from, she's on the city council in Los Angeles and she was jokingly, she saw me and she goes, Hey Oscar, how is it over there with all them liberals? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was like, I go, I go, cool, cool. You know, you know, I just said cool. I didn't say nothing negative. And then she came up to me. She goes, she put her arm around me and she goes, you know what? All the liberals are nice until you start demanding that, you, that they share power. Oh dude, let me tell you something. Wow. That's the fucking truth. I used
0: to work in a place and I won't say where it is, but I was in Hollywood and I was working in this place and it was like full of liberals. Everybody was liberal in this place. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, Steve, you know, me from a long time ago. I don't know what it is about me, but I'm just a fucking shit stir. Yeah. I just for whatever reason, I want to push a button. and Yeah. Okay. So we're in this place. It's a a film company, entertainment company. Everyone's liberal. Everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. They're all white, too. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm the only Indian in this place. They forget that I'm Indian. You should hear some of the shit they say behind people. Anyway, I go. Uh, so then I said, da, 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 everyone's liberal. We're talking about politics. And, the fr- and then I started saying, you know, what do you, we should really, we should pay people ble- back for slavery. We should create a mass fund, reparations, pay people. And every single one of those liberal people lost their shit. They got crazy, like they were like, "Your money doesn't solve everything," and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I was like, I bet you you think it doesn't." And they got very upset, and uh, they considered themselves liberal, but the minute you started talking about money and giving money back or taking money away, it changes the whole game, which goes to right to what Oscar was saying about talk about
2: power, yeah. right? Yeah, no, exactly, and uh, you know, it's it, it's kind of, uh, I mean, for me, I grew up in this city, I love the city, I've always had a vision of giving back to my city. You know, and it's it's hard to, sometimes, you know, I think back, I'm like, man, you know, like, I got my education, I did everything right, I got my education, you know, I came back, I served on the school board and started a youth center, like, you know, you would think that you would want all young people to do what I did, you know? Right. Get your education, come back and, and, and help out your community. Exactly. And the only thing I've gotten from my government, you know, is just a lot of pushback, a lot of headaches, a lot. And, and part of it is because the community I'm representing is the part of the city where they dump all the undesirable development. Right. They, they've marginalized us. You know, they've neglected that part of the city. So anyone who's going to talk of anything of substance, representing authentically that part of the city, yeah. they're going to end up in conflict with the powers that be. And that's just the reality of it. But, I mean, I'm talking about anyone in any part of the country. Right. That, that, that comes from that part of that background, you know, the lower income, the other side of the tracks. And you're now you're educated. You're trying to do something to make a positive difference. And that, you know, and you're and you're going to you're going to confront the, the, the establishment, the power structure that has always seen that part of the city as where we put all the undesirable shit. You know,
0: what I, I'm saying? I got a question for you. Yeah. You've talked a lot about people trying to tell you to resign. Has anyone ever tried
2: to buy you off? Um, you know, that's a good. They, well, you know, part of it has been like, if you resign, we give money to the city. They've used that 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 tactic but no one's ever come and you know it's funny cuz one time i told the city manager that i go you know how we can make all this go away and he goes how i go just give me a job you know what i'm saying yeah. i'll work for the city you know what i'm saying yeah. doing what i do you know doing and then you guys can hold me accountable write me up if i don't do the right. job now i just i just want to feed my family and do good like right. any any opportunity to help people and feed my family i'm i'm all in yeah and he looked at me he goes he started laughing he goes Oscar, you can't get a fair, fair break in this city. You can't get a, a, a you know, you, you're not going to get that. Let right. me tell you. And he goes, because the, my bosses, basically, the city council members, he goes, there's three of them that want to, elim- like, they would, if you die tomorrow, they'd be happy. They'd right. celebrate. You right. know what I'm saying? And then there's two that are like, whatever. They don't care about you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, then there's, and then there's just, and then there's two that are kind of like, you know, might be a little supportive for you. Right. So basically you don't have the votes. And I looked at him and I go, well, I go, not now. I go, but just know this. I go, I go, I go, go. one day, our, your role and my role is going to be different, you know? Like, I'm letting him know, one day I'm going to be on the city council, brother. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, 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 and those permanent enemies that you think I have right now, they're not going to be, they'll be new friends. They'll right. be new friends on the city council. Right. right. Politics makes for strange bedfellows. Things will change one day. And then he, he, he looked at me with a little kind of serious look on his face because he was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. He That's goes, possible. But then he goes, but first you have to win the lawsuit. You see what I'm saying? Because they thought there's no way these guys are going to win this lawsuit against us. We have the highest paid law firm, right? Right. Weeks later, when we won the lawsuit, I ran into him. And what I did go, he say? I looked at him. I go, I go, I go, I go. Stage one accomplished. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then, and then he
2: looked at me. He goes, stage like what? I go, we won the lawsuit. He goes, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, kind of like, he wasn't laughing anymore, though. Like, yeah. Right, right, right. Because, yeah. because He better watch himself, man. The thing what? is this. Eventually, things will change. Right, of course. And eventually, like I said, the universe rewards those that are authentically and sincerely trying to do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I know, I know in my heart uh, why I do what I do. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I feel good about it. And I think that <coughs> one day... Uh, we're gonna have a different government and a different uh, power structure that's gonna be governing more for the people, you know, not for just the profits.
0: Hey, so no one, so Mark Zuckerberg hasn't come down and said, "Hey, listen, you just let the whole thing." I got a yacht over here docked. You can use it anytime, Oscar. And uh, the the coolers always stocked, my friend. And
2: uh. nah, man, I've never had none of that. You know, they, they, these these folks, I think, I think they just. They just don't want people like me in power, man. Like the same reason why they don't want a lot of people in power. They, If you don't go along, if you don't play along, if you're not, you know, someone that they can control, that's just not who they – you're not a good fit for them, you know. And so if you're really seriously about, you know, fighting, you know, against poverty and marginalization and you're really trying to help out those people that don't have a voice in our government, you're always going to run into some problems. And it's sad also to see people that get into positions of power – and then they get bought off somehow, some way. You know, you get invited to these dinners, you become part of the club. You know, you're now, right. you're not going to Campos anymore, you're going to the Jonathan Club. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So there's a whole other dynamic. And it's very easy for people that have been low income all their lives, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. To not fall into all those temptations and, and to not be sort of overcome by all that. I, you
0: know? I, I always see that too. And then, like, all of a sudden, what was a simple issue, all of a sudden, it's got a lot of complexity. Correct. Yeah.
2: So for me, you know, I, I, I luckily, for me and fortunately for me you know i get a lot of uh gratification i feel great about helping people and helping others and yeah. and standing on the right side of history you know what i'm saying and so yes for me that's really important that means a lot i mean f- from now on all my life from now on is really just for my 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 children's reputation i mean everything that i do now is so that one day my son walks into the barber shop you know and they and they say oh yeah you know uh, i know your dad you know what i'm saying and and then what are they going to say after that, you know? And so I want them to say positive things, and I, I want to be known as someone who, who, who made sacrifices to help others, and, and that's something that gives me great, great joy. So I'm going to continue to do that.
0: And when are you going to run for president?
2: You know, uh, uh, that's a little crazy, man. I'm, I, it seems nuts. But, look, I'm, I, don't, I don't know where things are going to go um, in my life. It's always been about doing what's right in the moment, living in the present, and then there's opportunities, You know, things that happen sometime down the line. I don't know, you know, but I'm open to doing anything that's going to help people. You know, The first Latin
0: American president I bring to you, Oscar De La Torre. He's going to give his inaugural address. You have successfully beat Trump Jr., his son. (laughs) How does it feel? What do you have to say to the American people, Oscar?
2: Well, uh... It's a pleasure to be here, everybody. No, I'm <laughs> Bottom line, man, you know, we just, we, a better world is possible. You know, that we have a responsibility, I think, as Americans, when we say Americans, I'm talking about North and South Central Americans, all of us uh, united, you know, to be good stewards, you know, good stewards of, of great power, you know, and, uh, and, and find a way to really make a better world, not just in our country, but to be mindful, you know, of, of how what we do impacts the world you know and people living in it and we we want to we want to do what's right you know for the seven generations you know right and we've learned that you know from 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 our and our ancestors you know our people you know the the great tribes you know and the and the the what we call the native americans you know the people the first people you know here in this country have taught us a lot you know and and to think seven generations ahead in our decisions i think is the way to go
0: you know what uh when Oscar wins the presidency, they're not gonna play "Hail to the Cheat." They're gonna—they might play. They might play this. They might play this, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I bring you <laughs> President yeah. Oscar De La Torre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, he wants to talk about the Red
1: Brothers. He wants to talk about equality. Telling that's you, that's right, Oscar. I just thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, man. Thank you for, for sharpening me For sharing with me For educating me On what's going on And the listeners man For putting it out in a way That our listeners can understand Sometimes there's the people That have an understanding And that's a great thing about Chumahan That don't share with the people Don't explain clearly That we can't And I'm one of those people That can't really decipher What the hell's going on And then people like you People like Chumahan Break this down you know, in layman's terms or whatever you want to do so that we can digest and understand what's going on in our communities, in our government, in our, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so you did that today and I appreciate you doing that, man. And it's a, it's a, it's a call out for you listening. You know, and if it if it hits you in between the ribs, well, you might want to do something about that or do something with that information because you didn't yeah. hear this show by accident. That's right, Oscar. I want to thank you for coming down, man. We got your back here on the Hard Luck Show. Thank you for oh, having our back always. Yes, and thank you. And we're here for you. And let's move into the future and let's continue to uh, take hold and be accountable and take responsibility for our future and our kids' future.
2: That's right. God bless you all, and thank you all for listening. Yeah.
1: Wow. And adios from the Hard Luck Show, PYFC, Santa Monica, California. Have a great day. Adios. Adios. Adios.